0: Hey there everyone, this is Greg shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast post-draft edition. This is the third installment of the post-draft edition, covered all of the teams alphabetically Arizona through Miami. We've got 13 teams left to get through, taking a look at each of their draft picks, really breaking things down, what that's going to look like for each team going into 2019 uh, some of the picks that I that I, that I'm a fan of, some that I'm not so much. Um, you know, we'll go ahead and take a look at each of these teams, see where they're at, see where things kind of stack up, and uh, we'll kind of take things from there. So, we got 13 teams to pack into this week's episode. So, without further ado, let's jump right into the Minnesota Vikings. And you know, Minnesota, this was a team you know they, they made a trip to the NFC championship you know a season a season ago and then 2018 much different story Vikings failed to make the playoffs in Kirk Cousins first year under center uh, Mike Zimmer and company needs to to look to improve their offense to match the output of the defense their defense finished number 5 overall uh, third in the league versus the pass racked up 50 sacks which tied them with Chicago for third most uh, stark contrast to that offense finished 20th overall dismal uh, on on the ground 30th uh, overall. Um, you know, they added Josh Klein to, to man the right guard position, but the offensive line needs to continue to be addressed this offseason. Brian O'Neill, I think is a is a promising right tackle. I was actually expecting them to go with a tackle and kick uh, Riley Reef inside. They chose to address the interior of the offensive line. I have no problem with doing that. You know what's ultimately going to end up happening is you have Klein at left guard or I mean at right guard. Pat Elfline, who has experience playing both guard and center, is going to go ahead and kick outside to left guard more than likely. And uh, you'll start uh, Garrett Bradbury at, at, at the center position. You know Why would you do that? Well, Garrett Bradbury taking number 18 overall, the Remington Award winner, uh, 6'3", 306 pounds. Uh, just a, a a monster when it comes to to the reach blocks you know such athleticism getting outside uh getting the leverage even on the three techniques you know and and he's able to sustain that block uh, a former tight end um, also you know very powerful bench bench pressed uh, 225 34 times at the combine uh raw power and athletic so he's able to dominate his man at the point of attack I love this pick uh, really is going to allow them to address that that, that run offense. And, uh, you know, I, I could see you know, really Garrett Bradbury does have experience at guard as well. But I think what they're going to do is move Elf Line out to left guard and get the best center in college football season. You Garrett Bradbury starting in there at um, at center. And, and really, they, they upgrade two positions at once, you know, really, uh, you know, with, the, with this position, uh, with this pick. I love it. And uh, really shores up that offensive line. The big question now is going to be whether or not Riley Reif, uh is able to rebound from kind of a so-so season a season ago. Now, Kyle Rudolph, the tight end, you know, he turns 30 this year. going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. And look, he was number three receiver for, uh, for the Vikings uh, behind Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, and... Uh, You know, 64 receptions, 634 yards, and four touchdowns. Really no production at the tight end position behind him. So, naturally, you're going to be looking at a tight end at some point. I thought there were some other needs that were out there for Minnesota, but at the end of the day, if you get a chance to get a guy like Irv Smith uh, sitting there with the 18th pick in the second round, uh, you're going to go ahead and jump on it. You know, Irv Smith, uh, you know, really a guy, 6'2", 241 pounds, um, you know, hauled in forty-four passes, three uh, seven hundred and ten yards, fourth leading receiver uh, for Alabama, and a sixteen point six yard per catch average was second to, in the tight ends, only to Jay Sternberger, who was drafted in the third round by the by the Packers. You know, he's a guy who you know is is going to be a you know a combo tight end a guy who can definitely you know um, very good inline blocker, also has strong reliable hands, excellent balance after the catch, plays through contact. Uh, you know, this is one where you know, he's going to add value to the passing game, also gonna help shore up the running game a little bit. And then if, if Kyle Rudolph they ultimately move on from him, who you know he's has some injury concerns and an up and down career, then uh, you know Irv Smith Jr. can slide in and take over that starting spot. But uh, you know, I, I think this is definitely a, a nice pickup, especially there in round number two. Now, in round three, they decide they're going to go ahead and take a look at the running game. And, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook has only played in in 15 games over the last two seasons. I mean, when you think about that, you need to get another running back. And I think this was an area that they needed to address at some point. Uh, You know, Amir Abdullah, they're on the roster. Michael Boone as well. Uh, But they end up going with Alexander Madison in the third round. 5'11, 221 pounds. Now look, Alexander Madison, you know, you're gonna look at, at what he did at the combine and you're gonna say, well, you know, I, I don't know. You know, four six seven forty. 40, um, you know, he did put up, you know, two uh two two twenty five tw- uh, twenty-two times thirty-five inch vertical leap. Um, but you know the four six seven has to be very alarming. You look at that and you say well what what type of production am I really gonna be getting out of a running back that's gonna run a four six seven well you know when we look at at the draft from a season ago. Uh, and you look at that, a 4.67, you know, that puts you right in the range of, of Ronald Jones who ran a 4.6540 at the combine. Um, you know, so, you know, yeah, there's, there's definitely some cause con- for concern. You know, you look at Daryl Williams, they're out of LSU playing for, for KC ran a 4.72. Um, so, yeah, that, that forty time can be a little concerning, but you look at the produ- uh, the production, the productivity there. I really like Alexander Madison. I think he can be one of those sleeper guys. You know, he's not going to be asked to be the bell cow. Uh, you know, I think he can be more of a change of pace guy for for Dalvin Cook. You know, and and really some insurance in the event that Dalvin uh, is, is not able to go. But sixty receptions in his career, excellent hands out of the backfield. Here's the big concern, though. You know, yes, he's he's had uh, over. Uh, 2,500 yards in the last two seasons, including over 1,400 yards as a as a junior. But uh, he's a, a career 4.9 yard per per carry average guy. So when you're talking about that, you know, not the not going to be a burner, but you know what you're going to get with this guy. I think he's going to be a nice change of pace. Um, you know, a guy that they you know he'll really challenge Michael Boone uh, to be that that guy who's going to be you know more between the tackles type of runner. And uh, you know he's he's proven. Um, you know he's a good pass catcher. You know I think he'll provide that immediate depth, and uh, I think he could be a sleeper when it's all said and done. So Miami, or I'm sorry, Minnesota was not done when they were looking at their offensive line, and they bring in Drew Samia in the fourth round, 6-5, 305. I had him coming off the board in the third to fourth round range, so I thought this was pretty good value. You look at again Alfline and and, and Klein, and uh, I think Drew Samia, you know, plays with attitude, plays, you know, he's in, has that mean streak, very nasty demeanor and uh, a guy who I think can also really bring uh, that, that physicality and that nastiness to the offensive line, something that I think this line really needs. Uh, and so I think he's going to provide some good depth there at, uh, at the guard position. Now, fifth round, they land Cameron Smith at a USC, 6'2", 238. Uh, when you look at the, the linebacking core here, uh, you know, you have Eric Kendricks playing at the middle linebacker position. Obviously, you know, uh, Kendricks has been um, you know, a workhorse for them there on the interior uh, of the uh, the linebacking core. Um, signed a five-year, $50 million contract. So he's under contract through 2023. So Cam Smith is going to be a guy really coming in to provide some depth. You know, uh, He's an intelligent player. I think he can play a little bit on special teams. I think what really helped Cam Smith was losing the weight. He, he came in at USC, was weighing around 250, really looked more like a, a two-down backer more than anything else. You know, Not really sure that he was going to be able to do anything um, against the pass. Dropped weight. Got himself into the 230s and uh, looked much quicker. You know, a guy over 300 tackles, 26 and a half tackles for loss, four interceptions, including those three as a freshman in one game against Utah. Returned one of those for touchdown, 14 pass breakups in his career. Does a good job uh, in the passing game. So that's one of the things I think, you know, it'll provide some good depth. I think he could be a good special teams guy. Um, You know, and, and again, good value there in round number five. Round six you 're looking at uh, Armon Watts 6'5", 300 pounds you know a guy who I think could be a rotational uh, defensive tackle player when you look at Armand Watts what you're talking about with him he's got some pretty pretty good length um, not the most explosive off the ball but uh you know knows how to get to the quarterback from from the uh, from the interior eight and a half tackles for loss seven sacks. Um, you know, he's a guy who plays kind of high and I think that's really what gets him into trouble, uh, more than anything else. You know, if he can drop that pad level, I think that's really going to, um, allow him to, to get after the quarterback a little bit, uh, you know, ran a 2 40 at the combine, not as explosive as, as I was expecting him to be, especially with him being able to get after the quarterback, like he has been. You look at that D tackle position, uh, you know, Shamar Steven right now penciled in as the starter next to Linval Joseph. You know, there's Jaleel Johnson, Jalen Holmes on the roster. So Armand Watts is going to be a nice little rotation piece. Uh, not going to be much more than that, but uh, a guy who, again, you know, when you're talking about getting after the quarterback, that's really where you're going to see him step in, um, you know, at the beginning. Now, now, Marcus Epps out of Wyoming, a 6-foot, 191-pound safety uh, taken in the sixth round. And, you know, Marcus Epps, not really a guy who was on everyone's radar. Um, you know, I, I actually... When I looked at Wyoming's defense, I thought Andrew Wingard was going to be the guy that was going to get drafted, but I did like Marcus Epps. you know, as a as a sophomore over 100 tackles, has 9 interceptions in his career, 22 pass breakups, 5 forced fumbles four uh four fumble recoveries, excellent ball skills. Um, you know, he, he's one of those guys where, you know, yes, he didn't pick off a pass a season ago, but he had eight pass breakups. Um, You know, he's he's someone who, you know, inconsistent with with his tackling ability in his last two seasons, just 130 total tackles. But uh, again, you know, 10 and a half tackles for loss and two sacks during those seasons Um, doesn't always take the best angles. Um, but a guy who I think when you're looking at, at Minnesota and their, their defense, they're looking for guys who can make plays in, in the secondary. And, you know, you have Harrison Smith, but at that strong safety position, you know, who's going to step in there? There's Anthony Harris, Jeron uh, Curse. Um, you know, Marcus Epps has a chance to to make the roster initially as a special teams guy, but I think he's someone, can he, can he be that strong safety? You know, and that's really going to be a big question mark, but, you know, a guy who I think can provide some decent depth. Um, now there's Ole Udo, the 6'6", 323-pound offensive tackle out of Elon, uh, excellent length size, athletic ability, he's just raw. This is a guy who I think is probably going to end up on the practice squad, a guy that they're going to need to develop a little bit, but you know, I think there's some upside. You know, when you're looking at Riley Reef there at the left tackle position, um, you know, someone who I think battled injuries for a time. Um, he signed through 2021, uh, at which point, you know, he's 30 years of age right now. So, you know, when you think about that couple more seasons, he's going to be 32 and uh you know, you could be looking at possibly moving on from him, but the big question is going to be whether or not Oli Udo can develop as that offensive tackle. But again, um, excellent length uh, for a guy that big. I thought he held his own at the Senior Bowl, especially during the one-on-ones. Uh, but 35 and 38 inch arms, ran a 505.40 at the combine, despite being 6'5", 323. Um, so definitely some skills to work with. Uh, but again, a guy who I think is going to end up being on the practice squad at least for a year. Chris Boyd taking in round number seven. This is a physical corner, a guy who um, you know is very aggressive. Uh, a, a guy who loves to loves to press, loves to get his hands on the receivers, and I think that's what really gets him into trouble a lot of times. That you know he's going to get called for pass interference because he wants to be so physical and aggressive with the with the uh, with the receivers. He's kind of a frustrating type of guy too. Um, because he'll look excellent on one play driving on the football showing off that sub 4 540 uh speed but you know at the same time then he'll he'll get burned or he'll get handsy he'll arrive at the ball too soon um, so he's someone who is kind of that head scratcher doesn't have very long arms either so when he goes up to a, a, attack the football um, you know that's where he can run the risk of, of making contact a little too early but 35 pass breakups in his career including 30 in the last two seasons um, you know i think that says something for him, he's someone who might be able to stick on the roster. Um, you know, again, he's one of the more fi- uh, frustrating corners to watch. Uh, you know, you have Trey Waynes, Mike Hughes, M- Mackenzie Alexander on the roster. Who's going to be that fourth cornerback? Is it going to be Duke Duke Thomas? Is it going to be, um, I'm sorry, uh, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, Mike Hughes, and then Mackenzie Alexander? So, who's going to be the fifth cornerback on the roster? Uh, you know, I, I had to check myself there because you have Holton Hill. Can't forget about him, you know, and then fellow Texas uh, Longhorn alum, uh, Chris Boyd. Uh, Nate Metters is another guy that was brought in as an undrafted free agent. You know, a lot of cornerbacks there uh, who are going to be battling for that final quarterback spot. Chris Boyd is going to have to show that, you know, he's not going to be, you know, fi- you know grabbing guys there. And I think that's really a big problem for him right now. Um Dylan Mitchell, taken in round number seven, uh, receiver 6'1", 197 pounds. This guy who's who's got, you know, excellent vertical threat, you know, to really take the top off a of defense. Um, you know, I I, I like, like the physical skills. Um, you know, ran a... Uh, a 44640 at the combine shorter uh you know than than shorter arms than to be expected you know a guy who is is not very physical uh can be easily you know re- redirected off of his routes but he was the guy who was really the go-to guy for Justin Herbert when Dylan Mitchell went down to injury um you know he I thought Justin Herbert really struggled with you know where to go with the football. Um, you know, 75 receptions, over 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns, um, but inconsistent hands. A guy who you know struggles to fight through contact. As I said, um, I think he's going to have a hard time making the roster. I'm, I'm not a, a, as big a fan of, of of Dylan Mitchell as I am um, Ola BC Johnson, who's also signed under contract here. Um, but I think you know you've got. Adam Thielen, you've got uh, Stefan Diggs, Laquan Treadwell has to step up, Chad Beebe uh, has a potential there, um, another receiver, uh, he only caught four passes a season ago, so really that next receiver is, is going to be up in the air, a lot of guys vying for that position, um, I just think Dylan, uh, Dylan Mitchell is going to have a hard time making the squad. Especially when you got another guy uh, taken there in the seventh round, Ola B.C. Johnson, 6'1", 204. Uh, this guy, you know, look, when you put on the game film, you wanted to watch Preston Preston Williams, and I'm a big fan of Preston Williams, you know, big physical receiver, but Ola B.C. Johnson definitely flashed. Uh, you know, and really, uh, you know, 6'1", 204, uh, a, a guy who I, I think is a really savvy route runner, very smart, finds the holes in the zone, you um, Always works to get open. Pretty good route runner. Um, a guy who I think can work the underneath routes very well. Um, can get a be vertical at times. Ran a four five one forty. Really, you know, faster time than I thought. A little bit more explosive as well. Thirty eight inch vertical leap. Um, you know, but Olabisi. You know, someone who is just he's steady. I think that's the thing that you can say for him. Never. Uh, a guy who was was so dynamic, uh, you know, 54 receptions, just under 800 yards, and four touchdowns in his senior season. I think he actually has has the better chance of making the squad. I think he can end up being that number four receiver um, and a guy who I think can work out of the slot. He can work outside a little bit as well. Uh, kind of excited to see what he can do. And then the final pick, uh, Austin Cutting out of Air Force, 6'3", 245, the long snapper. Uh, yes, we did have a long snapper drafted and uh you know when you're looking at that Kevin McDermott uh is the long snapper there on the roster right now, but uh you bring in a guy like Austin Cutting, you're going to get a little bit of a of competition there and I I I think competition's always a good thing. So that's Minnesota. You know, I think at the end of the day Garrett Bradbury, Erf Smith Jr., the best picks in the bunch. I think Drcemia is going to bring some attitude to the uh, to the offensive line. Alexander Madison is going to bring some physicality to the run game. And, uh, you know, after that, you know, Cam Smith, Marcus Epps, probably going to be special teams guys. Armand Watts can provide some some pass rush help there uh, along the interior of the D-line. Oli uh, Udo, probably going to be a practice squad player. And uh, I think Oli B.C. Johnson has a chance to be the number four wide receiver there for Minnesota. So we're done with Minnesota, and which takes us to the defending reigning and defending Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. You know, when you look at New England and you're talking about what they're going to do, you, know, you have to kind of, you know, what's a Bill Belichick type player? And uh, when I look at, at what they've done, you know, I think they've done it again with, with a lot of their picks. A lot of guys just feel like Bill Belichick type picks. And uh, the first one, you're looking at a receiver. You need a guy there on the outside. They did bring in Demarius Thomas, so I didn't think they were going to go wide receiver just yet, but they did. And they went with Nikhil Harry out of uh, Arizona State, and you know, I think Harry is a guy to me. You know, I thought he was going to be a second rounder, but I'm not gonna hate them for uh taking him in round number one. 6'2, 228 pounds, ran a 4'5, 340 at the combine, 38 and a half inch vertical leap. A guy who's just he's a big physical receiver, can separate a little bit. You know, he's I think the separation is really what you have to worry about more than anything else. But you know, when you talk about Nikhil Harry, I think you have to talk about the Odell Beckham-like catch against Iman Marshall uh, when uh Arizona State played USC, you know, falling back. Reaches over, he reaches behind him as he's going to the ground and hauls in the pass. Amazing catch, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons for the Sun Devils uh, and 17 touchdowns in those uh, in those games. Not a guy again who's going to stretch defenses by any means, but big, physical, tough to bring down after the catch. And when you're looking at at what Bill Belichick does, you know Gronkowski wasn't necessarily the guy who was going to stretch defenses vertically a lot of times, but you know they still found ways to get him the football. You know present the mismatches, and I think that's what they're going to do with the. Harry. Round number two, they go at the corner, and uh, you know Jason McCordy is re-signed uh, for another season. Um, you know, and, and I think that definitely helps. You have Stephon Gilmore, who is a shutdown corner there as your number one. Um, you know, and I thought that that J.C. Jackson did a great job as an undrafted free agent, really showed off his skills. I think he's going to be that number three corner. But the thing with it is, is Jason McCourty is is 32 years of age, so he's going to be you know little long on the tooth, you know, especially in the next couple of years, you need to add, uh, not only some depth to the position, but, uh, um, you know, a guy who could potentially take over when it's all said and done. And, uh, they take a guy like Joan Williams. Now, Joan Williams, here's the deal. He's a six, four, 213 pound corner. You know, what, what he feels like, he feels a lot like a, a safety, uh, you know, with, with that size, right? Um, you know i think he plays faster than than the the time speed he ran a 46440 at the combine um you know i think he's um, you know he does a good job playing playing the ball more than anything else he uses that length to his advantage um and i think that's going to be really what they're they're going to use is that big long corner out there on the outside you know i think that's one thing that uh that we're definitely lacking there in their secondary was, was a big corner like this. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a guy, you know, coming out of Vanderbilt, intelligent player, um, 25 pass breakups, uh, picked off four passes in his junior season, comes out a year early and uh, gets taken in the second round by the Patriots. Um, round number three, this is one of my favorite picks. Uh, definitely excited about this one. And, uh, you know, you, you get, a guy like Chase Winovich, kind of a, you know, he's he's a pretty twitchy guy for, um, you know, he's 6'3, 256. You look at him, you don't really think that he's all, you know, that, that great an athlete. Um, and I don't know what it is, if it's just the, the flowing hair or what, um, but you kind of get that feel. And then all of a sudden, you know, he does things like running a 45940 at the combine. You know, whenever you put on the game film wanting to watch uh, Rashawn Gary or even Devin Bush, you couldn't help but notice. You know the, the the flowing blonde locks uh, of you know the, of Chase Winovich just flying around to the football. You know that was really what you saw. You know game in and game out. You know in in his. Uh, he moved to, to defensive end from tight end um, in, in his uh, sophomore season. And when you look at these stats, I mean, come on. Uh, you know, 19 tackles for loss and eight and a half sacks as a, as a junior, as a senior, 59 tackles, um, 15 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks. A guy who can definitely bend the edge, uh, runs the arc very well, relentless in his pursuit of the football, excellent hand usage, and, and a guy who I think can set the edge pretty well against the run. When you look at the Patriots, where is he going to play? Um, Look, he's going to end up probably playing defensive end, and you're looking at at Michael Bennett, who they brought in. Um, but you're looking at at a, at a team right now. Dietrich Wise is playing the the left defensive end position. I can see Chase Winovich ultimately winning that spot and being. The starting defensive end for uh, for the pa- the Patriots. The Patriots look. They only had 30 sacks a season ago. Only the Raiders and their their uh, dismal 13 sacks from a season ago uh, were worse. So they have to improve on that. And uh, you know Chase Winovich again, one of my favorite players. Uh, you know I get excited every time I get to get a chance to talk about him. I thought that was an excellent excellent pickup there for Bill Belichick and company. So we fast-forward, fast, fast forward, you know, we look at number, uh, you know, third round, 23rd pick in the third round, and take Damian Harris, a running back out of Alabama- um, when you look at the running back position, you think it's definitely stocked, and it is. You have Sony Michelle, you have James White, you have Rex Burkhead. Now let's go ahead and add Damien Harris to the mix, and that's one of the things you know that I think with New England they like to run a little bit of you know running back by committee, and uh, this is a running back who doesn't have a ton of wear on his on his tires because you know he's shared the backfield with so many running backs in his career there at Alabama, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. Very you know physical guy. Um, you know, better than, 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 uh, than average speed. I, you know, I thought for, for the position and, uh, you know, a guy who, you know, isn't all that elusive in the open field, you know, more of a one cut and go type of a guy, you know, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how they use him. He has decent hands, can run routes pretty well. Um, you know, you already have, uh, James White and Rex Burkhead on the roster who can, and Sony Michelle who can catch the football out of the backfield. You know, if I'm a guy like Brandon Bolden, I'm worried about my job, um, you know, and really, what does that say about about a guy like Rex Burkett? Is he someone who should be concerned, or are they going to keep him on the roster as well? Um, you know, it's kind of a curious pick. It's it's definitely a guy who I think has the character of someone that Bill Belichick is looking for. Um, you know, very crowded position. It's going to be interesting to see exactly what they do um, for Damian Harris. You know, not a bad value there in the third round, but uh, definitely kind of a curious pick there because you know they could have gone in other directions with that pick um, can't hate on it because again, it's a guy that just, it feels like a bill Belichick type pick, uh, but just a little, little weird, um, you know, and towards the end there of, of round number three, they take Yodney could the offensive tackle out of West, uh, West Virginia. And, uh, you know, you have Isaiah Wynn, uh who tours Achilles in his, in his 2018 season after being a first round pick. And, uh, Look, you know, I, I know how that goes. You know, not not very fun to try to recover from. So he's that left tackle. Can he rebound there? You have Marcus Cannon uh, on the right side. Um, you know, can will yadnik just? You know, I've always felt that he's a guard. Um, you know, he just when you look at him, you look at his body type. He just looks more like a guard. Um, you know, he's he's pretty athletic for a guy his size. Um, but, you know, to me, you know, I, I think the length, um, you know, he, he loses the edge at times, 6'5, 312 pounds. I'm looking, you know, you've got Joe Tooney there at left guard. You have Shaq Mason at right guard. Um, you know, I I could see yadney could just really, you know, using some of that versatility to play either tackle or guard. Um, yes. Could he be a swing tackle for sure? Could he be a guy that you can kick inside? Absolutely. Um, but he tore his quad, and so that's going to be one of the things, too, to where he's not going to be rushed into things just yet. Especially when you're looking at a fourth round pick like uh, Halte Froholt, 6'5, 306, another guy who I'm, I'm a huge fan of. And, and, you know, yes, he's got some shorter shorter arms, but, uh, you know, Yalte Froholt is one of the better pass blocking guards in, in the league. Uh, I'm sorry, um, in, in the, that's coming out in the draft. Um, you know, I think he's, he's pretty athletic, plays well with, uh, with his, uh, his pad level can really, you know, drop and, uh, and anchor. And, uh, again, I think that provides really good depth up front, you know, the Patriots, you know, they, they, they're known for, for having, you know, they just kind of, they'll cycle guys in next man up. And, uh, you know, they've got a lot of, you know, they've got Ted Karras, uh, there at the guard position as well, you know, a guy who was an undrafted uh, free agent and wound up you know, making the roster. Um, you know, I like what they're doing there up front on the offensive line, and, and this is another guy who just definitely feels like a, a Bill Belichick type pick. In round number four, they stick with you know uh, looking for a quarterback to potentially replace Tom Brady. They take Jarrett Stidham, you know, and and ultimately for me. I'm not as big a fan of Jarrett Stidham as, as some others are. Um, you know, he, he's six foot three, and uh, you know, so he's got good size. Um, you know, six foot. I'm sorry, six two, uh, 218 pounds. To me, he's somebody who, you know, at times looked very athletic, throwing the football down the field. I thought the deep ball accuracy at times was was excellent, and then there were other times that just left you scratching your head. You know, he he started out like gangbusters at Baylor, throw, completing nearly 69% of his passes, 12 touchdowns, just two interceptions. Ends up at Auburn after transferring after his his freshman year. And, uh, you know, it really his junior season, you know, he, I thought he was going to have a huge junior year after a big sophomore year, uh, you know, 66 and a half percent completion percentage over 3,100 yards, 18 touchdowns and six interceptions. He didn't throw the interceptions, you know, 18 touchdowns of five interceptions there in his junior year, but just 60.7%, um, passing, um, you know, and, and just 7.6 yard per yards per attempt, um. So th- there are some concerns there. You know, I think he looked very robotic at times. Uh, a-, a guy, you know, a lot of the short to intermediate routes, really, um, you know, throwing the football on, you know, to the outside. You know, I thought he did very well. I thought a lot of his passes that uh, that were thrown. Um, you know, between the numbers, I thought that was really where he struggled. So he's a guy who I think can push the football down the field, but you know, just some some mental lapses. I think working with Tom Brady is definitely going to help, but I don't know that he's necessarily going to be the answer when it's all said and done They're at the quarterback position for the Patriots. Uh, Byron Cowart taking it in round number five, the defensive tackle out of Maryland. This is a guy who was a top recruit uh, coming to. Um, where did he? Where did he go? At uh, at Auburn actually, and uh, ultimately was a grad transfer. Went to to Maryland for his his final season. And this is a guy who I think just never lived up to to his potential. Um, when you look at what Cowart did at the combine, um, you know at 6'3", 298 you know ran a five one six forty. You know not the most explosive guy by any means. You know what he did at Auburn. You know just played in. Uh, um, A total of 14 games, just seven solo tackles, uh, 15 total tackles, and and just one and a half tackles for loss in his only season there at Maryland. um, You know, 38 tackles, five tackles for loss, three sacks, had a couple of picks. to me, I think he's going to struggle to make the roster. You know, he's somebody, again, you know, I think injuries have kind of played a part in this, but you look at uh, he's not going to be an end. He's going to have to be a tackle. And uh, when you got Lawrence Guy, Mike Pinnell, uh, you know, David Berry, I'm sorry, David Perry, Adam Butler, Frank Heron, you know, I I thought they would have addressed the defensive tackle position much sooner. And uh, to take a guy like Byron Coward, who really hasn't lived up to his potential, uh, definitely a head scratcher for me. You know, in, in round number round number five Patriots also go with a punter you know and I think this is kind of that David Shaw connection they go with Jake Bailey out of Stanford a guy who can definitely boom it you got Ryan Allen already on the roster but uh, Jake Jake is also a guy who can win those um, you know win the kickoff duties can really uh, be a guy who can change the possession you know definitely a, a guy who has excellent hang time on his punts Um and, you know, like, like I said, in terms of the kickoff, a guy who is just a weapon is just going to boot the ball out of the back of the end zone time and time again. Uh, that big leg, I think he'd be very well, you know, do very well with the longer extra points. Um, when you look at his pun- uh, his punting, um, you know, pretty consistent uh, after his, his sophomore year, um, you know, with, you know, three straight seasons with at least 43 and a half yards per punt. Um, you know, so for me, I, I look at it. Is fifth round a little too high to take a punter? Maybe, but uh, he was the best punter in uh, um, in the draft at that point. You know, I think Mitch Wisnowski is probably the guy with the biggest leg, but Jake Bailey. When you're talking about it, I think he has a little bit more versatility. And uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, he's going to push Ryan Allen for that starting job. And then finally, in round number seven. They take Ken Webster out of uh, Ole Miss. 5'11", 203. Um, this is a guy who's, who's definitely is going to bring some, some strength uh, to the position. A guy who uh, it can get physical when you need him to. Um, when, when you're talking about him, you know, Kendarius Webster um, – you know 20 pass breakups in his career just three interceptions though um, not really you know much of a presence around the line of scrimmage um, but a guy who I think can play on the outside a little bit and um you know he he he's definitely a press corner um you know but when you're looking at all the corners that they've already brought in McCourty and and Gilmore um you know, Jonathan Jones is also there. Joanne Williams uh, and J.C. Jackson. I think they're hoping that, uh, you know, uh, Ken Webster can be a guy that can develop much like J.C. Jackson did. I just don't know that uh, that Webster, um, this is going to be the right fit. So when we're talking Patriots and we look at their picks, Nikhil Harry definitely going to be a guy who can be a beast, be that downfield option, um, you know, kind of taking over for for. Gronk a little bit, if you will. When you look at the tight end position, they didn't really address the tight end position at all. So I think they're satisfied with rolling with a guy like Austin Safarian Jenkins at the tight end position. But they get the guy like Nikhil Harry. Here's a guy that they can line up in the slot and be that guy like Gronk uh, down the field, presenting mismatches against some of the undersized defensive backs. Joeon Williams gives them some length there at the corner position. Chase Winovich I think could be a starter at defensive end. Uh, Damian Harris kind of a, a questionable uh, pick with a with a loaded backfield already. Um, But I think he's a guy who can provide good value. Uh, You know, Yadni Kajust and and Yalte Froldholt, I think, definitely provide some depth um, along the offensive line uh, with, with Kajust being able to play both tackle and guard. Uh, I think his his future will be a guard. Jared Stidham, kind of a questionable pick in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I think he's really a fifth or sixth rounder, and uh, you know, a, a guy. You know, I I don't know if he's going to be the heir apparent for Tom, uh, Tom Brady. Um, I think the jury's out there. So, moving on from New England to New Orleans. So we're talking about New Orleans. This is a team that uh, was without a first round pick. Max Unger retires. So, you know, I was trying to figure out a way, what are they going to do there with that center position? Are they going to take a center at some point? You know, Nick Easton was brought in to be that center. Um, but I think Eric McCoy, you know, this makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, you get a big athletic center, 6'4", 303, a guy who also is able to play um, play guard, but uh, a guy who is just he's so quick, um, you know, explodes out of a stance, a guy who can... Um, really get out in front as a, as a pulling guard. Um, you know, I think he's somebody who you don't see him, you know, in pass protection give up many blocks. I think this is a guy who I I think you can plug him there in the middle now, plug and play, and be a guy who's going to keep Drew Brees upright for however long he wants to keep playing. Saints only five draft picks but I think they did a, a really good job with their use of those picks um, you know in the the fourth round and I'm surprised that cGj fell this far uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson 511 210 pounds um, you know he, he's He's not the tallest, doesn't have the longest arms, but a guy who was just so instinctive. He was really the leader there for the, for the Gators in that secondary moving the, the corners and moving guys in the secondary around where he needed them to be a decent speed, four, four, eight, um, you know, 36 inch vertical leap. A guy who just always seemed to be in the right right place at the right time. A guy who can end up being that hybrid safety uh, linebacker. You know, I think he could definitely fill that role. Um, you know, a guy who look he, he filled just filled the stat sheet uh, a season ago: 71 tackles, nine tackles for loss, three sacks, four interceptions, um, two of which were returned for touchdown, two more pass breakups. He has 12 pass breakups and nine interceptions in his career. 15 tackles for loss. I think he can play, you know, he can play an off coverage. He can play the, you know, play a nickel. He can play on, on the line. He can be a a, um, a guy who can play deep as a deep safety, play him all over the field. And, and to me, I'm looking at this pick and I'm looking at Von Bell. You know, I'm looking at him at that strong safety position. Um, you know, you already have Marcus Williams that you brought in and uh, Marcus Williams, you know, as a as a rookie, you know I thought he he balled out and played very well, but I think Von Bell is a guy that, um, you know, at that strong safety position, could they be moving on from Von Bell? Um, you know, the 24 year old is in the final year of his deal, and uh, if Chauncey Gardner Johnson shows out, you know, I think there's a good chance that uh, Gardner Johnson is going to end up being the starter, and I think he's going to be one of the sleepers of this draft, and uh, you know. W- why teams were sleeping on him? You know, maybe he was a shorter than than expected safety. Maybe the shorter arms. I don't really know what it was that sent him down, but I had him as a top ranked safety in this draft, and I think he's going to make teams pay for not taking him sooner. Now they ended up going in the sixth round and taking another safety, Saquon Hampton, uh, out of out of Rutgers. Um, four interceptions in his career, uh, twenty pass breakups, including thirteen as a senior. Uh, a guy who really, you know, up until that, his senior season, you know, didn't really, you know, post numbers that were really turning heads. But yes, three interceptions, 13 pass breakups. And then he, he shows up at the combine and was one of the faster guys there at the safety position, to be honest. Um, Hampton ended up running a 4 4 8 at 6 1, 206. And, uh, you know, someone to me, um, he could be a special teams guy. You know, and I think he'll be a backup for, for Marcus Williams. But, uh, you know, I, I like the, the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson pick um, a little bit more. But in the sixth round, um, you know, I think that's not a bad bad value to get a guy like uh, Saquon uh, Hampton. Tight end position, you know, I think, that, you know, they needed a tight end. You know, Jared Cook definitely made a lot of sense taking a guy like him. You know, he really had a, a career year there for Oakland. Um, really played all over the field and, uh, you know, was making plays all over the field, I should say, um, you know, excellent hands. And, and so what do they do? You know, all right. You know, Josh, Josh Hill, not really a guy who was, um, you know, I, I know a lot of fantasy players were expecting Josh Hill to have a breakout year there at, at uh, the tight end position for the saints. And he just, he just didn't live up to that. You know, I, I think a lot of people, you know, he, he showed some flashes uh, here and there, but, just never really lived up to the bill. Uh, Benjamin Watson no longer on the roster. You know he had 35 receptions for 400 yards as the number three receiver on the roster. Josh Hill just 16 receptions for 185 yards. So why am I talking about the tight end position? Obviously you got Jared Cook that comes in, but uh, uh, in the seventh round you got Alize Mac. You know this is a guy who I think you know can be a physical tight end. Um, you know he, he's someone who you know as a as a Pass catcher, you know, I, I thought that he showed that he he can make some plays down the field, but very inconsistent hands. Um, you know, and, and to me, you know, a guy who's going to be more of a, a weapon on the outside more than anything else. Again, they, they're going to need a pass catcher. And, you know, I, I was surprised that they waited until the seventh round, really that sixth round pick. I thought they're going to use it on a tight end, but again, to get a guy like Alizé Mack, he'd only played in 12 games in his first two seasons there at Notre Dame, but uh, in 2018 played, played in 12, 36 receptions for 360 yards, three touchdowns, um, you know, a guy who, doesn't have he didn't really test all that well, uh, either. I thought that was the other thing that was kind of odd when, when I was looking at Alice Mack. Ran a 4.740, 6.4, 249 pounds, 36 inch vertical leap. You know, he, I you know, not I don't think he tested as well as I was expecting him to. Um, you know, above average speed overall, but I was really expecting to see a little bit more out of him. Um, but I think he's a guy who can end up challenging Josh Hill um, for that backup tight end role. And then uh, to round out the seventh round, Caden Ellis out of Idaho, 6'2", 238 pounds, a guy who I think is going to end up being um, a special teams ace for them. This was a guy who I, I thought for for the Vandals, um, you know, when I thought of thought of Vandals on defense, uh, you know, offensively, um, you know, you always thought of thought of their quarterback, um, but uh, but defensively um you know it was always you know Caden uh Caden Ellis um you know as a junior uh 71 tackles 13 for loss five five sacks uh had four interceptions there in, in 2016 then he he flipped over uh did a little bit of of uh, of tight end work as well um in, in 2017 seven receptions 156 yards and two touchdowns you know what the Saints like to do is they like to experiment a little bit with guys who have some of that versatility. I think he's going to play on special teams. I think he can end up being another Taysom Hill type of guy, and uh, you know probably offers up a little bit there as a either as a fullback. You know, could probably you know get in there back Zach lineup there at the fullback position, but could also potentially be uh, a, a tight end when it's all said and done. So we get through New Orleans. And we get to the Giants, the New York Football Giants, and, and really, what are we looking at there with the G-men? Um, you, you know, Daniel Jones. I think that's a talk. And when we talk about, you know, what what are the the narratives going to be when we look at the the twenty nineteen draft? And a big piece of that is going to be Daniel Jones. Um, you know, and this was a guy for me, I just, I had him ranked as my number, number six quarterback. I just, I wasn't a a huge fan of Daniel Jones and you know, it's nothing to say that he can't be a guy at, you know, who can make plays at the next level. I just thought that the sixth overall pick was vastly overrated. Yes. He was going to be the guy of the giants. And if you like him at 17, you better might as well just take him at six. If he's going to be your starting quarterback of the future, here's the thing. Uh, when, when you have a guy like Dave Gettleman saying that he could potentially sit for two or three years, um, you don't expect that out of a guy who's going to be taken in the top half of the first round. That's a guy who's going to be t- you know playing sooner rather than later. I think Daniel Jones may end up playing um, you know soon as uh, you know as early as as next season. But uh, when you look at this guy, you know a career sub fifty uh, sub sixty percent passer, uh, which obviously is concerning. Um, you know, he he's never thrown over uh, 2,800 yards. Um, you know, as a, as a sophomore, 14 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, um, as a senior, you know, improved a little bit, 22 touchdowns, nine interceptions, but a 52 to 29 ratio. That's not even a two to one ratio between touchdowns to interceptions. Now, yes, he's a tremendous athlete, a guy who, you know, uh, has rushed for over 1300 yards in his career, 17 touchdowns. Um, you know, I think the pocket presence, you know, you def- definitely see that you see the the poise in the pocket. Um, you know his ability to uh, manipulate the defense a little bit. I'm sorry, manipulate the pocket a little bit. You know, you see some of that out of Daniel Jones as well. Um, really, this is kind of a pick. You know, he's got the ties to uh, the the Mannings, uh, especially with David Cutcliffe. Yes, he's got the high football IQ. He sees the field very well. Uh, makes throws. Um, you know, does a good job going through some of his progressions. Um, know, sees the field very well, extends the plays with his legs, keeps his eyes downfield to find the open man. Um, Excellent mechanics, um, but the thing that he really needs to address is is the consistency. Now, against Virginia and Miami, he completed just 52% of his passes for just 370 yards with just one touchdown and three interceptions. Then against North Carolina, finishes with 547 total yards, 361 through the air and 186 on the ground with four touchdowns, dominated Temple in the Independence Bowl, completing 73.2% of his passes, 423 yards, five touchdowns, but two interceptions. And those two interceptions really lapses in judgment, you know, throwing late across his body over the middle, uh, just doing things that just really were were head scratchers in terms of, of, you know, you know, hitting, you know, missing guys that were that were wide open at times, making throws late to to miss the open man, a guy who was open in, in, in that window and he'd ultimately sail that football over the guy's head, trying to fit the ball into too tight a window way too often. Um, you know, and you saw at the combine, this was a guy who um, you know, struggled to really push the ball down the field. Um, you know, he really had to pat the ball and, and really kind of, you know, put his whole body into it to get the ball down the field at times. Um, You know, I I thought he was also a guy who held onto the ball way too long. You know, you'd see him, you know, that padding of the football. He'd do that multiple times as he's going through his progressions. And uh, sometimes that would cause him to throw the ball late or he would take an ill-advised hit. Yes. He was playing at Duke And yes, he was playing with some guys with some inferior talent, but that argument's only going to take you so far. You still, you know, in terms of making those, those throws, yes, his offensive line was, you know, was, was porous at times, but it's one of those things too, to where, you know, you look at a guy like Drew Locke, Missouri, especially against some of those, you know, some of those SEC teams, he struggled, you know, at at times with his offensive line. You know, that was something that you had with, with Josh Allen, um, there with the bills, you know, but you know, the the physical skills, the, the intelligence, um, you know, the, the the intelligence, you know, and the, this guy's, he's got me, got me at a loss for words. You know, and I think that's really, you know, I blame Dave Kettleman for that because Daniel Jones is just somebody who you you question, you know, why he was taken so high and, and why he's, he's this, this fit. You know, you, do you take a guy number six overall because of his intangibles um, you know I, I think a lot of the you know you don't take take somebody necessarily six overall because of the physical skills. You look at a guy like Kyle Bowler. He couldn't complete sixty percent of his passes. he could drop to a knee, throw the ball, um, you know, over sixty yards in the air, and he was still taking in round number one. And uh, you know, he struggled to complete the football at the next level. The thing for me is, is Daniel Jones. If you can't complete sixty percent of your passes in the NFL, I mean, in college, what makes you think you could do it in the NFL? That's a big worry for me. And you know, I, I just I, I I shake my head at this pick. I don't really like it. And uh, you know, hopefully Daniel Jones proves everything. Everybody wrong. The second pick in round number one, sitting there at number 17, they took Dexter Lawrence out of out of Clemson. You know, 6'5, 342 pounds. You really wanted to see, you know, where the Giants gonna address that pass rush. You know that was something that you know the Giants needed to do. They tied the Patriots with just 30 sacks uh, a season ago, and so so sitting there at number six, there are a bunch of guys that they could have taken. Really at 17, they could have gone Montez Sweat. You know there could be you know that cause for concern with the heart, so that's always a possibility. There weren't any other pass rushers that were sitting there with the number 17 pick, so I really can't fault them for for taking uh, Dexter Lawrence here. De- Dexter Lawrence is a guy who can plug and play there at uh, at the nose tackle position. You know he'll be competing with Dalvin uh Tomlinson for that spot but you know in James Betcher's uh, defense I think this is going to be a nice uh, nice fit for him the biggest issue that I have is uh, you know Dexter Lawrence um is he a three down tackle that's really the biggest question um you know so you know, you see a lot of these other guys who are two down tackles um, that really the draft stock took a tumble because they weren't able to do that. And, you know, the giants seem to be confident that he can be a three down tackle. If nothing else, he, he's, you know, occupying blockers to allow some of the other guys to make plays. And you saw that quite a bit with Cleveland Furl and, uh, you know, Austin, Brian and, and uh, Christian Wilkins. Um, as a as a freshman, he really burst onto the scene, eight and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, and you really didn't see that production, especially as a pass rusher in his final two seasons. In his final two years, he had nine and a half tackles for loss, just three and a half sacks. Yes, he was bothered with some injuries, but uh I just I still don't see him as a three down uh, defensive tackle. So that's where you worry about some of that. You know, if that was ultimately going to be your target and your guy, I might've traded down a couple of spots, you know, to get better value for him. But at the end of the day, you know, I can't argue with it too much again, because I think he'll end up being a plug and play starter. The pick that I really like, though, is DeAndre Baker. You trade back into round number one. Here's a corner that's still sitting there. In my opinion, DeAndre Baker is the best corner in this draft. And I don't really think there's even an argument for anybody else. You know, you can sit there and say all you want about, you know, some of the, you know the personality, and that might be the biggest issue more than anything else. 5'11, 193 pounds, 4'5", 240. Look, DeAndre Baker, 28 consecutive quarters without giving up a touchdown. The last touchdown he gave up was a 2016 Liberty Bowl. Are you kidding me? He's going to be a plug-and-play starter. You put him in opposite Janoris Jenkins and let him go to work. He's a guy who can definitely shut down guys on the outside, lining up against you know the top wideouts you know in the SEC and you know being asked and you know taking you know uh, being asked to shut them down, and he absolutely did that time and time again. Um, and I'm trying to pull up his stats right now to really show you what you know some of the things that he did. Vandy's wideout Kalilja Lipscomb, um, you know who's going to be a, a, a pro prospect next year, just two catches, 16 yards. Van Jefferson of Florida held without a catch. Debo Samuel did manage two pass interference calls, but uh, Baker allowed him you know just six six passes were set, uh, hauled in for just 33 yards. Frustrated Debo throughout the game. Uh, Darius Slayton of Auburn one catch uh, for eight yards. And then Jerry Judy against Alabama, who is going to be that number one receiver taken in next year's draft, held to just two receptions for 14 yards. Simply put, he will lock down the opposing, uh, team's best, uh, best receiver. And you know, you look at Janoris Jenkins, he's holding down the one, uh, one spot. And uh, I think, uh, DeAndre Baker is going to hold down that other cornerback spot. And, uh, you know, I think he can play in the league a long time. Um, Third round, O'Shane Ziminis. Look, I can't, I can't, you know, here's a pass rusher, 6'4", 253. Excellent value getting a guy like this. You know, when you're talking about the pass rush position, um, you know, the edge rusher, they, they've traded away uh, Olivier Vernon. They needed to address it. And, you know, that sixth pick, really you had, you actually had Josh Allen sitting there because he fell all the way to number seven. So technically you could have used that pick on Josh Allen and potentially, still try to trade up to get uh David uh, Daniel Jones, so that's where you missed out on. You know, a guy that had 17 sacks uh in 2018, but with O'Shane Ziminis, look, you know, he led uh the Monarchs there at Old Dominion in in sacks um, all, th- all four seasons, uh, 51 total tackles for loss, 32 and a half sacks, 12 pass breakups in his career, 11 forced fumbles. A guy who can definitely bend the edge, you know, he's a, he's a better than average athlete. Um, uses his hands very well, um, slips his blocks, shooting gaps in the running game as well. Um, you know, to me, he's, he's one of my favorite players to watch. Um, they're at the edge rush position. Um, you know, right now at the linebackers, he's going to be a three, four outside linebacker. He's going to have to play in space. You're looking at Kareem Martin and and Lorenzo Carter. He's going to push that and Marcus Golden going to push them for playing time. And and, and again, I, I like the pick and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, so I like the, the second two picks better than the first two picks. And then they go and take Julian Love, a cornerback out of Notre Dame, another guy that I really like, 5'11", 195 pounds. I think this is a guy who can end up being that slot corner. Um, you know, Although he did show an ability on the outside there for the Irish to make plays, he's just a guy who has ball skills. Um, you know, He's not the biggest guy, um, not the fastest, but when you talk about production, you know, five interceptions in his career, 39 pass breakups, right 39 including 36 in the last two seasons alone knows you know how to to get to the football knows what to do when he gets there um and a guy to me you know i I think um you know he doesn't have the best you know um vertical speed and, and long speed but he's quicker than he is fast closes very well knows what to do again when he arrives at the football i think he's a guy who can end up again lining in the slot and being a guy who can play in the league a long time Fifth round, Ryan Connolly out of Wisconsin, uh, inside outside linebacker, 6'2, 242 pounds. Um, you know, a guy who can come downhill, um, struggles to get off blocks at times. And, and to me, I, I look at, you know, not a ton of production there at Wisconsin. Um, you know, a guy who I thought, you know, when you're talking about the the tight the linebackers at Wisconsin, a guy who did a little bit of everything, uh, 29 tackles for loss, six sacks, two interceptions, five pass breakups. Um, you know, I, he's going to be a guy that's going to provide depth there at the inside linebacker position. You've got Alec Ogletree and B.J. Goodson, um, but you know, I, I think there's some competition there, and I think Ryan. Connolly has a chance to end up being uh, a decent backup, but a guy who's really going to have to show uh, show out in uh, in special teams. Darius Slayton, 6'1", hundred ninety pounds, out of Auburn. When you're talking about the receiver position, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard feel a lot like the same guy. Um, you got Corey Coleman there as a as a speedster, Benny uh, Fowler, um, you know. But when you lose a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. and you don't get a receiver in the first two days, you know you kind of have a head scratch, bit of a head scratch there. Um, the thing for Darius Slayton for me is is he's a vertical threat and that's about it. You know, I I didn't really see a ton in the route tree. You know, I thought I saw some inconsistent hands as well. Uh, already talked about DeAndre Baker shutting him down, um, but you know you can't argue with speed. Twenty point three yards per reception, and eleven total touchdowns. You know, so I I I can't argue with with taking Darius Slayton. Um, I, I thought fifth round might have been around the right value, uh, especially with it being the end of round number five. But uh, you know, a guy. I think he needs to develop some of his route running ability and uh, you know some better you know more consistent hands, um, you know. And, and so, you know, I thought that there are other receivers that were out there that could have been um, better picks here on the board. So we're talking cornerbacks here in round number six, and Corey Ballantyne. 5, 11, 196 out of Washburn. Um, you know, if you don't already know the story, you know he was you know just hours after being being named at, you know as a a, a draft pick of uh, of the Giants, uh, you know was shot, and uh, one of his teammates there at Washburn uh, was was killed. Um, you know, just a sad, sad um, story. Um, you know, so when you're looking at Ballantyne, you, you know, there's already a reason to pull for this kid, ran a four, four, seven, 40 at the combine, 39 and a half inch vertical leap, excellent, uh, excellent athlete. And, uh, you know, he, he's someone, I, I think, you know, the, the biggest concern is, is where is he going to play? Is he going to be playing, you know, in the slot? You know, is he going to be able to play, you know, really handle the guys that, uh, the the bigger receivers on the outside. I think he you know he'll play very well in in zone coverage. You know does a good job driving on the football, makes a play on the ball. Um, I thought that he he showed up pretty well at, at the Senior Bowl, held his own. Um, I think this is good value for him. You know at the top of round number six. Um, you know it'd be interesting to see what happens there. You know for him, but when we're talking about about the the cornerback position, you know this is the third cornerback that the Giants signed, so definitely they wanted to address that corner position. Uh, you know Sam Beal was taken in the um, supplemental draft, so he's also on the roster. You have Grant Haley um, a- as well, but I think Corey is someone who's going to stick, probably as the um, you know the the final corner there on the roster. Uh, George Asafu edgy uh, out of Kentucky, six four three zero five, a guard, um, kind of surprising. You know, he has has a nasty disposition there in in uh, in the in the run game. Uh, can be a physical blocker, um, but you know, a, a guy who you know, I think he's going to end up. I don't know that he's going to make the roster. You know, you've got Will Will Hernandez, Kevin Zeitler there at the guard positions. Um, you know, he's going to have to battle Nick Gates, uh, Chad uh, Chad Slade, um, for. Um, A slot there on the roster. Kind of a a curious pick um, there when it's all said and done, especially when you're looking for an offensive tackle uh, to compete with Chad Wheeler. You know, another position that they could have addressed and. They failed to do so so some weird picks here for for the Giants uh, their final pick in round number seven, six four three zero seven 307 defensive tackle Chris Slayton this is a guy who you know is very powerful you know, I think a guy who can stack blockers and really shed um, and and get after uh get, uh get after the ball carrier you know he, he's a big physical defensive tackle not the you know, better than average athlete i thought 5.51340 uh, 5, at the combine 33 and a half inch um arms um someone who i, I think you know lacks some of that um you know some of the twitchiness, but you know, I think I, you know I thought he had a decent burst off the ball. Um, someone who I, again holds the point of attack very well, and someone who can take up space. Um, not somebody who's going to necessarily beat you one on one, but he has very heavy hands. Thirty and a half uh, tackles for loss, seven and a half. Uh, Sacks four forced fumbles, so he does offer a little bit there as a pass rusher. Um, I, I think Chris Slayton, um, when you're looking at this, you know, you've got BJ Hill, you've got Olsen Pierre, um, RJ McIntosh, and I think that Chris Slayton can kind of slide into that group. I really like him as, um, you know, in, in a three four scheme up front. You know, I think he could potentially be a five technique when it's all said and done. So the Giants. Mixed bag in terms of the picks. You know, that Daniel Jones, that's really going to be the big what's going to happen next uh, for the Giants. is It's ultimately going to be whether or not Daniel Jones pans out. And ultimately, that's going to be kind of the legacy of of, uh, Dave Gettleman there uh, with the Giants. So from the Giants, we move to the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. A season ago, they took Sam Darnold uh, with the number three overall pick. They get the number three pick again. And this time, what do they do? They go with the arguably the best player in this draft, and that's Quinton Williams. I thought this was a great pick. You know, you've got him uh, playing the nose tackle position, um, you know, there in Greg Williams' scheme, playing alongside Leonard Williams. To me, this makes just the most sense. You know, I've talked a lot about what Quinton Williams is going to mean to the Jets' defense, and uh, you know, when you talk about his his uh, his stats: nineteen and a half tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, um, and I compared him. You know, I've I've already done this once before, but you compare him to Andomikansu Sue and, and Aaron Donald, two other guys um, who uh, won won the Outland Trophy. You know now, Quinnen not only won the Outland Trophy, but he you know finished eighth in the Heisman voting. So to put that into in perspective, his 2018 season with, you know, that of, of of Sue and Donald in their senior in their senior years. So Sue in, 20, in uh, 2009, 85 tackles, 20 and a half tackles for loss and 12 sacks. Fourth place finish in the Heisman voting. Selected number two overall by the Lions. Just four years later, number in, in 2013, Aaron Donald, 59 tackles, 28 and a half tackles for loss and 11 sacks. 13th overall pick of the Rams. Now, what's crazy is if you look at you know Williams with his 19 and a half tackles for loss and eight and a half sacks and his 71 tackles, that was done as a first year starter. Now, if you look at Sue and Donald, you look at what they did a year prior in the junior season. Sue was 76 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. Aaron Donald, 64 tackles, 18 and a half tackles for loss, five and a half stats. Five and a half sacks, excuse me. So you see what they did in their junior seasons. Very comparable to what Quinton Williams did in his Richard sophomore season. So imagine if Quinton Williams had stuck around for his junior season, what he would have been able to accomplish. Sky's the limit there for him. I thought that that was a, you know, they hit that pick out of the park. I thought that was a great pick up there for the Jets um, in round number one. Um, then they, you know, in round number three, they get a, a guy like Ja'Kai Polite, you know, someone who I thought really hurt his draft stock at the combine, you know, kind of left after the after the 40. Um, you know, someone who, you know, it was interesting with with Ja'Kai Polite, you know, a guy who just never, he didn't even start for his team. You know, you had Jabari Zuniga and you had CeCe Jefferson out there, but the more explo- the most explosive athlete really was Ja'Kai Polite. But he was more than, you know, really just a, a, an edge rusher more than anything else. You know, 19 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks, 6 forced fumbles, 4 pass breakups. Um, you know, just a guy who kn- knew how to get to the quarterback, knew how to affect the quarterback. When you're looking at the um, you know the outside linebacker position, Brandon Copeland, Jordan Jenkins, don't really strike fear in opposing quarterbacks. So I think adding Jukai Polite, a guy who... Um, you know, is he just a situational pass rusher, or is he going to be able to play um, all three downs? That's going to be the big question mark for me, and if he can do that, I think he'll be starting early in his career. I think that was excellent value there in round number three as well. Uh, so then you move with the Jets. Um, later in round number three, they take Chuma Adoga out of USC, 6'4", 308 pounds, gave up just four uh, pressures a season ago for the Trojans, um, and you look at the Jets, and uh up front they they traded for Kalecio Semeli there at left guard they've got Brian Winters at the right guard uh you know Kelvin Beecham's a guy who is is you know undersized doesn't have the longest arms in the world Brandon Shell there at the right tackle position so Doga, you know doesn't have ideal length he's got shorter than average arms and and uh I'm sorry he has longer arms but he's 6'3" 308 so he doesn't have the uh, ideal height but he does have the the longer arms that can kind of make up for that um, so the the real question is going to be, you know, where is he going to play? Is he going to be a you know six three um, tackle? Is he going to get kicked inside the guard? Look, Isaiah Wynn six two, going to be the the Patriots uh, starting left tackle when it's all said and done when he heals up off of that Achilles tear. Jets gave up just thirty seven sacks a season ago. I think Adoga is a guy who surprised people with his footwork, the athleticism. Um, you know he just needs to. You know he doesn't always finish his blocks. Needs to sustain a little bit more. Not uh, all that adept in in the in the run blocking, but definitely an excellent pass blocker. Round number four, Trevon Wesco. Now this is interesting. You know they I thought they needed another receiver. Um, you know they have Robbie Anderson, Quincy Enunwa, Jamison Crowder. They must be happy with that trio. I would have liked to have seen them go after another tight end as a playmaker. Uh, potentially a, a another tight end earlier. They have Chris uh, Chris Herndon, Eric Tomlinson, uh, Trevon Wesco, To me, I look at him. I think he'll be end up being a fullback. Um, and here's what I do like. You know he can be a lead blocker for Le'Veon Bell and another guy that you can put back there and pass protection to block for Sam Darnold because Le'Veon Bell is going to be catching a lot of passes out of the backfield. Uh, 6'4", 267. Do you take him in round number four? Probably not the right value for him. Probably a guy that you'd probably take in, uh, in the sixth round. Uh, really, I would have switched the fourth and sixth round picks. Uh, their four, their sixth round pick, I'm sorry, fifth round pick is uh, Blake Cashman out of Minnesota. Um, 6'1", 237, inside linebacker. Um, really good speed. You know, this was a guy who ran a 4540 40 at the combine. Um You know, a a guy who, you know, gets slowed up by blockers. I think that's really his biggest thing is can he get off of blocks? But over 100 tackles this past season, uh, really a breakout 2018 for this guy. And uh, 104 tackles, 15 tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. Um, you know, a guy who's bulked up. You know, as a freshman he was a defensive back, and uh, last three seasons played at uh, at linebacker. Five pass breakups as well. Uh, a guy who I think is just uh, going to continue to get better. And uh, when you're looking at uh, where you where you would put Blake Cashman, you've got Avery Williams, you've got C.J. Mosley on the inside. Uh, Darren Lee's also on the roster, although you know he they may look to to shop him. Blake Cashman, I think, is going to be a guy who's going to be playing on special teams and uh, someone who I think, you know, can can work his way into the rotation a little bit. And then finally, Blisson, uh, Austin, they're out of Rutgers, 6'1", 198 pounds. The biggest thing for me with him is can he stay healthy? Back to back, season ending um, ACL tears, that's going to be the biggest thing. Is is he going to be able to come back from that? Um, You know, Blosson, you know, again, when he's healthy, has excellent ball skills. As a sophomore, 14 pass breakups, had an interception in all four of his seasons there at at Rutgers, but, uh, you know, played in just five games the last two seasons because of those knee injuries. Is he going to be able to stay healthy? That's a big if. And you know, I just I worry about that for the Jets um, you know there with, with Blason Austin. You know, when you're looking at the cornerback position, that's probably a little early to, to take him. Um you know, I thought that there were probably some other guys that were out there that they, they might be able to go with, but again, you know, his his ball skills definitely a plus. Um, but the big question mark is is whether or not he can stay healthy. Which then takes us to the Oakland Raiders now the Oakland Raiders three picks in the first round there's all these smoke screens things talking about well what are the Raiders going to do with with Derek Carr are they are they going to trade him are they going to move on from him what are the Raiders going to do with that pick you know there were were talks about them taking a surprise pick there at, with the number 4 overall i was looking at the at the the Raiders taking Cleveland Furl and Josh Jacobs only i had Cleveland Furl going to the Raiders at number twenty-four, and I had Josh Jacobs going to them at the top of, of round number two, and uh, ultimately they go with with Cleveland Furl with the number four overall pick. You know they're going for that pass rusher, and really, John, to me, Josh Allen is the premier pass rusher in this year's draft. So if they were going to go pass rusher, you go Josh Allen, you don't go Cleveland Furl, but. You know, here's the thing. I, I think when they're looking at Cleveland Furrow and what he's able to do, a guy who can definitely set the edge against the run, and he's a guy who's gonna come in and be a starter right away for this team. Um, I just feel like Josh Allen could be a, the next Khalil Mack, a guy who can play linebacker and defensive end. But you know, Cleveland Furrow, look, 50 and a half tackles for loss, 27 sacks, a guy who definitely, like I said, can set the edge. Um, not the most explosive guy, you know, we, we, we can definitely say that, but uh, uses his hands very well, um, you know, I think that's really what he, he's known for, uh, 6'4", 264 pounds, and again, when the Raiders only have 13 sacks a season ago, um, this is the guy who's going to come in and probably start right away, pencil him in there, probably at the right defensive end, um, opposite Arden Key, um, day one starter, but uh, I thought he, they could have picked him up later on in the draft. Um, you know, but clearly they had him higher on there. On their radar, uh, J- uh, Josh Jacobs taken at number twenty-four. Um, you know Isaiah Crowell ends up tearing his uh, his Achilles, and so Josh Jacobs really penciled in now as that starting running back for for Oakland. Josh Jacobs, you know, clearly the number one back in this draft. Forty-eight receptions in his three three uh, years there at Alabama. Not really used a whole lot until his his senior his junior season. One hundred twenty carries, six hundred and forty yards, eleven touchdowns. A guy who can run between the tackles. Excellent vision. Uh, the cutback ability, you know, the vision uh, can do a little bit of everything. You know, a, a very powerful runner can run through contact and really you know, deliver a blow. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's a, a John Gruden type of guy and uh, someone who I think is going to start right away for them. Now, the safety position, they wound up addressing that uh, with, with the Jonathan Abram pick. Um, there at number 27, 511, 205, really going to bring some attitude to the back end of that defense. They brought in Vontez Berfick to be the will, and now you're looking at uh Jonathan Abram. Uh, this was kind of a curious pick for me, uh, just based on the fact that they already have Carl Joseph and, and you know they brought in Lamarcus Joyner at, at free safety. I think they're trying to change the identity of, of the secondary a little bit, uh, you know, bringing guys who can be a little bit more physical. Um, you know, uh, again, though, you have Carl Joseph sitting back there um, as the as a strong safety. So, the you know, the question that you then have to ask is, you know, is there something going on with uh, with Carl Joseph, 25-year-old, in the last year of his deal? Are they looking to potentially move on from, from Carl Joseph when it's all said and done? You know, I think Jonathan Abram, to me, is a guy who can play in the box. Um, you know, I, I think he could probably line up and cover a little bit. Um, you know, in, in the nickel, but here's, here's the deal with, uh, with Jonathan Abram, you know, a guy who just cannot play. Uh, I think he takes, you know, poor angles. Um, in, in as a, as a, as a, a center fielder, that's really not going to be his game. He's going to be the physical, you know, the, the physical presence on the back end of a defense, you um, you know, 14, uh, tackles for loss, five sacks in his career, nine, uh, I'm sorry, two interceptions, 10 pass breakups. Um, you know, he was kind of the leader of the secondary there for, uh, for Mississippi state. And, um, you know, was, let's see, you know, he was, uh, you know, like I said, the ferocious hitter, you know, a heat seeking missile flying downhill, uh, definitely a physical presence, you know, um, you know, Guys coming over the middle, really gonna have to watch out for him. Plays in the box as an extra linebacker. Uh, excellent pursuit speed, uh, sure open tackler in the open field. Very stiff in his hips though, as well. So uh, not really a guy who can line up uh, on the outside, but I think he can match up a little bit with uh, with running backs and tight ends. I had him coming off the board in uh, in round number two. Kind of a surprise that he came off the board in round one. But again, if the Raiders are looking at uh, you know Carl Joseph. You know, are they going to play all three safeties at the same time? You know, that's always an option there as well. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they how they use Jonathan Abram. But if they took him in round one, there's clearly a, a reason for that. Which leads us to their their second round pick, Trayvon Mullen. And uh, this is another pick that I thought was a little curious. You know, a lot of people like Trayvon Mullen. They love the length. They love some of the physicality with which that you know that he brings to the uh, you know, with which he plays. You know, and and the physicality that he brings to the cornerback position um, can really open his hips and run vertically. Um, but I, I thought that this was a guy that, you know, teams were throwing in front of him all day long. Yes, he's not going to get beat deep. And yes, he has some pretty fluid hips for a guy his size, but a guy who also, you know, he, look, you're not going to throw over the top of him, but, uh, if you want to throw in front of him, you can do that all day long and pick up yards and and move the ball down the field. And you really saw that, you know, he wasn't tested a ton. Teams were throwing against uh, AJ Terrell a lot more than they were throwing against him. Um, but uh, you know, the, the the length is definitely something that you you want to see out of your corners. And uh, you know, so I think Trayvon Mullen from that, um, it it definitely jumps off Six to 199 pounds. Um, Just seven pass breakups and four interceptions in his career. Um, You know, a guy that you're taking in round number two, you want to see a little bit more production than that. I think, you know, one of the things that you look at, um, you know, people say that he has better ball skills than those numbers might suggest. I just, I don't know. I I want to prove it to me. You know, I I want to see it. You know, I think there's more potential than production here. Um, You know, and I really want him to prove me wrong. Round number four, Max Crosby, the 6'5", 255-pound defensive end out of Eastern uh, Michigan. And Look, I'm, I'm a big fan of Max Crosby. I like this guy. Um, really a hard worker there at uh, EMU. Uh, 41 tackles for loss, 20 sacks, uh, eight, pa- uh, 8 forced fumbles, Four fumble recoveries, four pass breakups. You know, this was a guy who you know really worked hard coming off the edge. A guy who I think bends pretty well. He had eleven sacks as a sophomore. Followed it up with seven and a half sacks as a um, as a junior. Um, like I said, a pretty good athlete. You know, much better athlete than I think you know people were giving him credit for. Um, what was crazy was at the combine, he was running with all of the, uh, the D linemen. I really thought he was an edge rusher, you know, to be honest with you, six five two fifty five ran a four six six forty. Um, to me, when you're looking at this defensive end position, um, for Oakland, you know, he's going to have a chance to play. I think he'll have a chance to play right away. He'll battle guys like Shaleen Calhoun, Josh Morrow, um, you know, and obviously Arden Key, you know, and there's no reason why he couldn't potentially start opposite Cleveland Furrell. Now in round number four, um, Oakland, you know, this feels like a Mike Mayock type of pick. You know, you're looking at these tall corners. You know, they already took Trayvon Mullen, who was 6'2", Isaiah Johnson, also 6'2", 208. Um, Still learning the position, you know, moved uh, over from wide receiver to the corner position. But, you know, uh, excellent length, uh, runs pretty well, ran sub 4'5", in the 40 at the Combine. And, uh, you know, a guy who I think is an a player, a guy who I think can ultimately make, you know, not only is he going to make the roster, but a guy who I think can definitely play um, at the next level you know, and be a guy who could potentially challenge for a starting spot. You know, what they're looking for is ultimately somebody who's going to start opposite Gary Young Conley, um, you know, with Isaiah in his two seasons, you know, learning there at the cornerback position, four interceptions, twelve pass breakups, which, you know, ironically enough is, you know, really more production than you saw from from Trayvon Mullen, though again to, to Trayvon's you know credit, you know, or in his defense I should say not as many balls thrown his way, Uh, but Trayvon Mullen and Isaiah Johnson, when you're talking about Gary on Conley, uh, you got Nick Nelson playing opposite, uh, opposite him, Tevin, uh, or I'm sorry, Nevin Lawson is going to be the nickelback, but I think that Isaiah Johnson needs a little bit of time to develop, but I think he'll end up being the number three corner. I think Trayvon Mullen will end up starting opposite Gary on Conley when it's all said and done. Then you've got Nick Nelson there. So I think you've definitely addressed the cornerback position. Um, with some very very large corners now the tight end position you know again you took two tight end or two corners tight end position you you wait until round number four you, know, you lost Jared Cook and uh, you go with foster Moreau now Foster Moreau was a guy who was never asked to catch the football uh, in LSU's offense, you know, but Foster Moreau was a better than average athlete. You know, I thought, you know, because you know, you saw him at at, uh, at the senior bowl. He was the guy who was making some pretty nice catches and uh, you know, 52 receptions for 629 yards and six touchdowns in his career um, you know better inline blocker than than he was a receiver there at LSU but he ran a 46640 36 and a half inch vertical leap much better athlete than you would expect and uh, a guy who I think could end up you know when, when it's all said and done we may be talking about Foster Moreau as the number one tight end for the Oakland Raiders uh kind of crazy to, to think that now but you know he, he's got Luke Wilson and, and Derek carrier to battle uh, but I think he definitely has a shot um round number five hunter renfro definitely feels like a a mike mayock pick you know when you're talking about a guy that you can line up in the slot because you've got antonio brown and and tyrell williams i think hunter uh, hunter renfro is a guy that can definitely fit in there jj nelson can be a a guy a vertical threat marcel Aitman, uh, a guy who can be a, a big physical receiver but hunter renfro You know, the the, the guy who, you know, caught the touchdown pass uh, to upset Alabama in the national title game, a possession receiver, a guy, you know, when you're looking at third down, you know, whether it was Sean Watson, uh, Kelly Bryant, or um, Trevor Lawrence, this was the guy that you're going to, you know, 186 receptions, uh, over 2,100 yards, 15 touchdowns, just you know, 11.5 yards per reception in his career. But a guy, you know, really speed wasn't necessarily his game. You know, he's he's quicker than he is fast. An excellent route savvy route runner, still ran a four five nine, which isn't bad at five ten, 184 pounds. You know, smallish arms, not the strongest guy. A guy who can easily be pushed uh, off the line of scrimmage, but. What he does have is is a knack for for getting open, making plays, a guy who can be a slot receiver. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up starting right off the bat. And then finally, Quentin Bell, 6'4, 219 pounds out of Prairie View. This is a guy, you know, he he moved from receiver to defensive end in 2018, showed really good speed coming off the edge. This is a guy that I talked about in uh in my pre-draft. If you remember, you know, I was talking about defensive ends. Um uh, edge rushers and, and guys to kind of keep an eye out for, and Quentin Bell was a guy that came up. And I'm trying to get through here. It actually looks like I actually had him at linebacker, but this is someone who I think uh, could end up being a pass rusher there for Oakland. I'm still trying to pull up my see what all I had here for Quentin Bell. Um, looks like I had him at linebacker. I did. Uh, ultimately, you know, they, they had him listed at six three two thirty eight. Uh, ran a 40 at his pro day. Um, 41 and a half inch vertical leap, bench press 225, 23 times, so decent strength as well. And uh, eight and a half tackles for loss, uh, six sacks, 42 tackles, and he's still learning the position. So, uh, someone who definitely has the athleticism, a guy who could probably be on the practice squad uh, starting out. Um, but not a bad pick there in, in round number seven, a guy who could potentially develop into a player. And, and at the end of the day, if you know if he doesn't develop, you know taking him in the seventh round, it's not really a huge um, you know, from a from a value standpoint. You're not really missing out on too much. You know, it's it's one of those guys who has you know uh, a longer longer odds of making an NFL roster. So we look at at the Philadelphia Eagles next, and so the Philadelphia Eagles, you've got Jason Peters, uh, you know, who is thirty-seven years of age. You know, he's has another one-year deal. How long is he going to be in the league? You know, Vati Vaitai filled in admirably for Jason Peters, but he's not the number one, you know, he's not going to be the, the backup. Uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, he's not going to be the, the heir apparent. You know, he's a backup. He's more of a swing tackle. You've got Lane Johnson there at right tackle. Um, Andre Dillard, I didn't think he was going to fall all the way to 25, to be perfectly honest. This is the best pass protector in the league, I thought. Um, you know, when you talk about Andre Dillard, you know I, I thought maybe you know the fact the lack of conditioning at the at the combine he was gassing really easily but you know he makes the you know the the finesse, he's a finesse tackle 65 315 very light on his feet ran a 49 640 at the combine uh moves very well effortless you know uh very patient with his hands low pad level slides very well i thought that was an excellent pick you know philly really made the most of their of their draft picks i thought they really hit it out of the park uh, in round number two, Miles Sanders, uh, a lot of people's number one running back in the draft, very fluid, athletically, you know, a guy who can p- put his foot in the ground and uh, and and change directions, can get north south in a hurry. Ran a four four nine forty at the combine, thirty six inch vertical leap. Um, and, and this is a guy who doesn't have a ton of wear on his tires because he was playing behind the great Saquon Barkley there at Penn state. And, and look, Miles Sanders, you know, he's a pretty good athlete in his own right. Um, and, you know, over 1200 yards on the ground, 19, uh, t- or, I'm sorry, nine touchdowns, 24 receptions as well. Um, so a pretty good receiver. The biggest thing is, is the ball security, 11 fumbles, uh, and I believe seven that were lost in his career. I'm just going off the top of my head. I believe it was 11. Um, the ball security, that's going to be the biggest issue. Is he going to be able to hold on to the football? If that if the answer is yes, then uh, you've got a guy who can be that, that number two to Jordan Howard who you picked up in a trade with the Bears. Um, if not, then he's never going to see the field. You know, so he's really going to have to make sure that he can take care of the football. That's really the biggest concern. Uh, Second pick in round number two, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. One of my favorite wideouts. Um, You know, just very, uh, just a very fluid uh, athlete. Um, You know, a a guy who you can see the basketball skills. You know, his parents played basketball. And, uh, you know, what was crazy was especially in the red zone. You watch what he did. All defenses knew what was coming, and you still couldn't defend it. He would box out the corner much like uh, he would as a basketball player. Put the guy on his back hip, and then you know he would attack the ball while it's in the air. Leap towards it and, and really attack it in the air, plucking the ball out of the air with his with his big hands. Um, and you know, coming down with the ball, excellent body control as well. Much like a rebounder, coming down with the football, making sure you're you're in I'm sorry, with the basketball, making sure you're in bounds, and then get you know hitting that outlet pass. Um, our Sega Whiteside though much more than just a one-trick pony. He's not just a red zone guy, even though that's what you saw him doing time and time again. Four-four-nine forty 40 at his pro day. Um, so a guy who can get vertical and get separation that way, also able to create separation late, extending his arms, and then, again, winning those 50-50 balls, playing basketball uh, on the football field. And, uh, you know, you've got all Sean Jeffrey. You have Deshaun Jackson, who's going to be your speed guy. You have Nelson Aguilar working out of the slot. But J.J. Arcega-White's uh, Arcega-Whiteside is a guy who... Who is going to uh, find his way onto the football field? He's another weapon for Carson Wentz, and I like this pick a lot. I think he's underrated as a receiver, and uh, you know people really start need to start taking notice of what this kid can do. Um, you know, when you're looking at the receiver position, Alshon Jeffrey, 29 years of age, Sean Jackson, 32 years of age, they're under contract for two years. Nelson Aguilar, though, only under contract for this season. So, you know, I, I think this is a really good pick. Um, and somebody who I think could ultimately... You know, be a starter possibly by season's end. If not this season then definitely next season you know, you'll see our Sega Whiteside starting there for the Eagles and could end up being a favorite target along with Zach Ertz be a favorite target there for Carson Wentz but over a thousand yards uh, this past season on 63 receptions and uh, 14 touchdowns in his three uh, three years on the field there with the uh, Stanford Cardinal uh, 16.4 yards per reception and again a guy who I thought could stretch defense's vertically a lot you know uh, a lot better than people really gave him credit for now sharif miller in the fourth round 65 254 another penn state andny line going to the uh, to the eagles a state in state and uh, you know this is a guy who has pretty good length you know i think he can definitely you know bend and, and get around the edge and and, and get to the quarterback um, you know, I really think that Sharif is someone who needs to play in space a little bit more. I thought that he, you know, he, he plays you know, has good effort against the run, um, but he struggles to get off blocks at times, still managed 31 and a half tackles for loss and 14 and a half sacks in his three seasons um there in uh, in Happy Valley. But um, you know, someone who I think is gonna have to continue to work and really hone his skills, use his hands a little bit more. Um, but Miller is gonna be, you know, You don't know what's going to happen with Vinnie Curry and and Chris Long at at season's end. You know, you do have Derek Barnett and you have Brandon Graham. Josh Sweat looks like another piece as well. So I think Sharif Miller, you know, use this year as a developmental guy. And then Chris Long may retire. Vinnie Curry may not be back on the roster uh, a season from now. And then, you know, Sharif Miller can then move into the rotation. And then finally, Carson Wentz. Look, you know, missed uh, missed 2017 with that ACL tear, and then had uh, had issues with his back in, in 2018. So you need to have somebody um, to back up Wentz, especially now that Nick Foles is gone. So what do they do? They go out and draft one of these guys that's that's really flying under the radar. Fifth round pick, Clayton Thorson, out of Northwestern, 6'4", 222 pounds. Um, you know, can run hot and cold at times. Um, you know, as a passer, but when he's on, man, this guy can really light it up and really, really spread the ball around the field uh, very well. Um, a career 50 58.4% passer so that's definitely a concern although um he was over 60% in each of his final two seasons there um, at Northwestern um over 10,000 yards passing 61 touchdowns 45 interceptions got to, got to cut down on the mistakes and that's really the biggest thing for him he's so inconsistent with with his, his uh his throwing um and here's the deal you know he tore his you know still played in in and started Every game of his career, so I mean, when you think about that, uh, even though he tore his ACL in the bowl game, uh, so that's 53 games that he started, uh, tore his knee in the bowl game, and uh, you know I I don't think he's quite the athlete that he that he was. You know, really still working to get back to that level. Uh, As a freshman, over just under 400 yards on the ground and five touchdowns, he scored 27 touchdowns in his career. I, I, I like the physical skills. I worry about the decision making, you know, especially with the the interceptions and the career, you know, percentage under fifty under sixty percent. Um, but there are some tools to work with there. You know, when you're talking about guys that um you know, the the almost one to one, you know, or under two to one touchdown interception ratio, you know, Clayton Thorson taking in round number five. You, know, you can make the same argument that he wasn't throwing to the the best receivers in the world, and that maybe his offensive line wasn't as good as some of the others. So the arguments that people are making for for uh, Daniel Jones, you can also make for Clayton Thorson, a guy who's a very good uh, good athlete. Really, the only difference is he, is he wasn't working with a guy like uh, uh, like David Cutcliffe. But a lot of those, you know, there are a lot of similarities. Daniel Jones has that relationship. He goes number six overall. Clayton Thorson sitting there in round number five. Um, You know, I, I probably ought to just go ahead and get off my soapbox at this point. But, uh you know, it's it's just an interesting comparison there. So we go to Pittsburgh next. The Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, this was one of the best picks. One of the best picks, I thought. You know, they, they trade up into the top 10 and get Devin Bush. You knew the Green Bay and Cincinnati sitting there at, at 11 and 12 wanted uh, Devin Bush. Um and uh, you know, Cincinnati at eleven, Green Bay at twelve. They trade up to get him. You know, and, and you look at, at at Devin Bush, um playing inside backer, pencil him in as a starter right away. You know, I think that's one of the things that you can definitively say is is Devin Bush is is the guy who is a three-down linebacker, makes plays all over the field, just flies around. And again, when you put on the film of of, uh, of Michigan, you're going to see him just flying around to the football. I mean, I think that's one of the things that is so exciting about watching him play. Now, when you're talking about the la- the, the linebacker position, you know, a season ago you had guys like John Bostick and, and, and guys like that. They're no longer on the roster. You've got Mark Barron there. Um, you know Ryan Shazier still working to come back. Um, you know Vince Williams on in the middle, but you put in Devin Bush and he instantly becomes you know the best uh, best inside linebacker on the roster, uh, a guy who fills the stat sheets. Um, you know he still kind of you know flies in like a you know just a little under control at times. Needs to break down a little bit better in space, but uh, a guy who just knows knows what to do when he arrives at the football. Uh, 172 tackles. Uh, 18 and a half tackles for loss, 10 sacks, 11 pass breakups, picked off a pass uh, in his sophomore season. Um, you know, he's, he's a little undersized, but look, you know, he's very physical. And man, you better, you, you know, if you're coming to block him, you better get low because uh, otherwise he's going to run through you and run you over. Um, you know, so number 10 for Michigan gets drafted number 10 overall by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now round number three, because they didn't have a pick in round number two, they have two picks in round number three, and uh, took two guys that are you know very interesting picks. Deontay Johnson out of Toledo. Um, you know, 5'11", 183 pounds, uh, not not the most explosive athlete. You know, he just ran in the four fives at the combine. Um, but a guy who I, I thought when he had Logan Woodside throwing him the football, uh, 74 receptions, over 1,200 yards, 13 touchdowns. And then, you know, the quarterback play dropped, so his production also dropped. Just 49 receptions for 761 yards and eight touchdowns. But an intelligent player, um, you know, a guy who... Runs routes very well, knows how to get open, um, attacks the ball well in the air. Could he be the replacement for Antonio Brown? I mean, that's really the big question. You've got Juju Smith-Schuster, who is now the number one wide out there on the outside. There's James Washington has a potential there as well. Um, but I think Deontay Johnson has a good chance to move in and potentially be a starter there um, for Pittsburgh. I thought that was a decent value pick there. In round number three, uh, Justin Lane, uh, the cornerback out of Michigan uh, state 62 192 pounds excellent uh, size there for the cornerback position and look justin Lane um, decent length ran a 4 540 at the combine um, he's you know Justin Lane is a uh, converted receiver too so a guy who's still kind of learning the position and and really had a breakout um 20. Uh, 18. That was really the, the the time that you really saw him develop and, and see a glimpse of, of what you might be able to see out of him. Uh, you know 72 tackles, 15 pass breakups also picked off a pass. Um, he's someone who's just going to continue to develop. you know and, and you know if you'll recall, you know there's a guy by the name of Tony Lippett who was a receiver there for, um, for Michigan State and uh, converted to cornerback. He's still in the league. As a corner, and uh, I look at Justin Lane, I think he's got more upside than uh, than Tony Lippett. No offense to Tony, but uh, you know this is someone who I, I look at, and uh, you know just puts himself in a position to make plays on the ball. Understands routes. Uh, the route recognition is is evident there. Has good length, and uh, someone when you're looking at Pittsburgh. That's part of what we're doing here in this podcast is looking at where they would fit in. And uh, at the cornerback position, you got Joe Hayden. You got Steven Nelson. Justin Lane is going to beat out Artie Burns as the number three cornerback. Let's just be honest. Fourth round, Benny Snell, running back out of Kentucky. Uh, You have James Conner sitting there at the running back position. Jalen Samuels is kind of that hybrid fullback, H-back, running back type of guy. Um, Who's going to be that other running back? And Benny Snell um, look this guy was a workhorse for for Kentucky and I think that's really the biggest concern that I have more than anything else when you're watching him play um, is is just how much wear he had on his legs in three seasons uh, 737 carries so that was you know two straight years with at least 260 carries back to back seasons. Um, with at least 1,300 yards, including 1,449 um, as a junior, and 48 total touchdowns, had 29 receptions as well. Runs with attitude—that's one of the things that you see. He's very decisive, a guy who's going to hit the hole and get downhill. You know, definitely feels like uh, a Pittsburgh Steeler player. You know, a guy who you know looks like um, like James Conner running the football. Very powerful between the tackles. The difference between him and, and James Conner, though, is James Conner has more of a burst to run away from you. This. You, know, you don't get much of a change of pace when you have James Conner and then you put in Benny Snell so you're not going to have that change of pace back so much but I think Benny Snell is a guy who's just going to continue to, uh, to pound the ball between the tackles and uh, you know, it, somebody who you know, runs through uh, arm tackles as well so you better wrap him up Zach Gentry taking in round number five, 6'8, Man, the Pittsburgh Steelers love their, their their tall tight ends. Seems like they always have one of the, you know, from the Jesse James type, Vance McDonald's a big guy as well. Zach Gentry, a tight end. You know, I think he has a chance to be the number two tight end. Vance McDonald, then Xavier Grimble as kind of that blocking tight end. Jesse James is gone, so Zach Gentry kind of filling that role. Um, you know, in round number six, Sutton Smith um, out of uh, – Northern Illinois back-to-back seasons of uh, Mac Defensive Player of the Year, uh, undersized outside linebacker. Played defensive end um, at uh, you know with the with the Huskies, um, but a guy who's going to definitely be an outside linebacker. He was undersized, um, you know, fifty-eight and a half tackles for loss, thirty sacks, um, seven. Forced fumbles, six fumble recoveries, three of which were returned for touchdown. A guy who's just so quick off the ball, he's quicker than he is fast, um, and you know, able to bend around the corner very well. Um, you know, he he is going to be so undersized. You know, can get engulfed. I think he's going to be a, a a special teams player. And a guy who's going to really have to find the role defensively, but a guy who I think can be a situational pass rusher. And uh, when you're looking at the outside linebacker position, you have TJ Watt, you have Bud Dupree. Can he find, uh, find time on the field? There's Anthony Chickalow sitting there as well, but he can be another guy. He could potentially be a guy to rush the passer. Isaiah Bugs taken in the sixth round, uh, the defensive tackle. He's 6'3, 306. Um, pretty good instincts for this, for a guy, you know, I, I think he can be a five technique. He played that quite a bit there for, uh, Alabama. Um, you know, I, I didn't think that he necessarily had the strength to be a, a defensive tackle. You know, and I, I didn't think he was the most athletic guy either, but he just got the job done. Look, a season ago, 13 and a half tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, uh, three pass breakups as well. A guy who it wasn't always pretty, but he got the job done. And, uh, Really, that kind of fits the M.O. for the Steelers just a little bit. The Steelers really using the draft picks to address a lot of different needs. And uh, Isaiah Bugs, you know, he can be a backup there for Stephon Tuitt and Cameron Hayward. Round number six, one of my favorite players, hands down, Ulysses Gilbert III. Six foot, 224 pounds, um, excellent top end speed, runs, you know, in the 4'4 four, four to 4'5 four, range. Um... Here's the thing, you know, he can be that hybrid safety linebacker type. Um, Could he play inside linebacker, outside linebacker? He can play all over the field. You know, he did whatever was asked of him there at at Auburn, or I'm sorry, at Akron with the Zips. And, uh, you know, if you want proof of that, just take a look at some of the things that he did. As a sophomore and a junior, The sophomore, 121 tackles, 11 and a half for loss, four sacks as a junior. 140 tackles, nine and a half for loss, four sacks, three interceptions, four pass breakups. The ball skills were evident. They ended up moving him out, and he was basically kind of lined up almost in the in the slot more than anything else. Played a lot in space out there. Wasn't really rushing the quarterback. Only a half a sack. You know, compared to the eight in the previous two seasons combined, um, still managed seven and a half tackles for loss and, and 85 tackles, but was really playing out there on the outside. And, uh, you know, a guy who had two fumble recoveries for touchdown um, and, and, you know, just a tremendous athlete. Um, and the versatility that, that he brings and, and, you know, the speed. Um, I think there you know he'll be a core and, and really be a, a special team's ace for for the Steelers, but a guy who I think can stick in the league because you can play him at just about every position on the back end of that defense. And then finally in the seventh round, Derwin Gray, uh, 6'5, 320 pounds. He was a tackle at, at Maryland. I think this is a guy who is going to kick inside to guard. I think you know he lacks the foot speed um, at, at tackle. So I think you kick him inside to guard. Um, you know, you've got Ramon Foster, you've got David DeCastro. I think he provides good depth there. Could he be a tackle? Maybe, but I think you know he's, he's best suited on the inside. Um, you know, could be a good depth piece. You know, the versatility is definitely there. So we move on to Seattle. You know, Seattle. I was trying to call this pick. I, was, I knew Seattle was going to go a little out in left field, and uh, you know, they they definitely did that with their with their first pick. You know, not somebody who was going to be on anybody's radar as a as a first round pick, um, or definitely you know what Seattle usually does. They look at their board, and their board is, is really representative of what they're looking for, and uh, kudos to them for not listening to any of the outside noise and really not listening to anyone arguing about their picks either. The last four, four first-rounders, check this out. Guard James Carpenter, taking 25 overall in 2011. Bruce Irvin, everyone was surprised there. Number 12 overall in 2012. Offensive tackle, offensive guard, Jermaine Effetti, uh, Taken out of uh, Texas A&M with the 31st overall pick in 2016, everyone was surprised with that. And then maybe the biggest shocker—well, maybe Bruce Irvin was number one shocker—but um, cl- close second was running back Rashad Penny, taking number 27 overall in 2018, when everyone had him as a second-round pick. I thought they were going to go the route of uh, sack daddy Jalen Ferguson. Instead, they go with the physical—you um, know—the the thunder to Ben Banago's lightning and L.J. Collier. And here's here's the thing with LJ Collier. You know this is a guy who I think is an ascending player, a guy, you know, six two, two hundred and eighty three pounds, uh, eleven and a half tackles for loss, six sacks, um, four pass breakups. And uh, you know when I look at him, he's he's definitely a four three left defensive end uh, at the next level. Um, can definitely has power in his hands, can drive guys back into the backfield. And this is someone where, you know, when you're talking about him rushing the passer, is he going to be a guy that can bend off the edge? No. But a guy who you can kick inside on passing downs and really do, you know, if you're looking to do like a NASCAR type of scheme, that could be something that could definitely help there with with a guy like uh, like TJ. They need, or I mean, LJ, you needed a defensive end with Frank Clark being traded to the Chiefs. And uh, this is a guy who can definitely get after the run as well. And uh, you know I think he'll end up probably starting at one of the defensive end positions, likely opposite Quinton uh, Jefferson. So Seattle had two first-round picks, but they traded one of them, ultimately got into round two because they only had four first-round picks. They kept making some trades. Um, ultimately... In the second round, again, there was Chauncey Gardner Johnson, some of these other guys that were out there uh, at the safety position, but they took Marquise Blair in, in round number two uh, out of Utah, 6'1, 195 pounds, tall, free safety, um, closes well, uh, makes plays um, on on the football. Um, you know, someone who, um, you know, a lot of his plays were, were made down the field, um, which I think can be concerning at times. Um, you know, I, I think he he delivers a pretty good, pretty good hit. You know, wraps up pretty well. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing was you know from a production standpoint, just two interceptions and four pass breakups in his career. You'd like to see a little bit more production out of him. When you're we talking about what uh, what Seattle likes to do, he's a he's a taller uh, safety, and I think he'll challenge uh, Tedrick Thompson there possibly for a starting spot. So what does Seattle do? Uh, you know Doug Baldwin may have to call out a career because of all of the injuries. They need a receiver. You're looking at okay, I've got Tyler Lockett uh, sitting there at the wide receiver position. You know when you talk about the wide receivers, you know if Doug Baldwin, you know that health, if that's such a big concern, Seattle would have to then replace 17.9 percent of their receptions in 2018. And the only other receiver with more than 50 receptions on the roster was Tyler Lockett with 70. DK Metcalf was still sitting there on the board. And, and I mean, legend of DJ, DK Metcalf um, there at the combine. You know, first it really started with the, the Instagram post with the, the photo just chiseled, you know, physique. You know, didn't look like a wideout, which was, was crazy. But then the B is as, as big as he was 6'3, 228, put up, you know, a 225, 27 times, 40 and a half inch vertical leap, and then runs a four. 3340 also had 34 and 78 inch arms uh incredible wingspan this is a guy you know here's the deal you know he was one of the slower guys in the in the short shuttle and the three cone drill um, and a, a guy who we all know can run the vertical route, um, can work off the jam very well. Uses his hands excellently, uh, you know, off the off the line. Just throws receivers or throws DBs aside and gets vertical. Uh, Twenty-one and yards per reception through seven games in 2018 with five five touchdowns. Uh, then he breaks his neck and uh, has gotten a clean bill of health. You know, but the question is, is, can he sink his hips into his routes? Can he you know, run other routes in the route tree other than just the, the nine or the post? Um, if he can do that, I think he can develop into a, a you know, pretty solid starter there and be a go-to target there for Russell Wilson. Um, round number three, you know, here, here's one of the things about Pete Carroll. He loves the PAC 12, you know, being a guy that, that coached at USC, he's there on the West coast. He loves the PAC 12 and, uh, he kind of sticks to it this year. It was kind of the Utah Utes. Uh, and he goes with Cody Barton in round number three, you know, Cody Barton, could he play outside? Maybe more than likely he's going to be a, an inside linebacker. Um, you know, possibly there in, in the middle, you know, to me, I thought this was a little early. More than anything else, I I think when you look at the the run defense, that's something that they need to shore up a little bit. They have a lot of injuries up front. Bobby Wagner, not the most healthy over the last couple of seasons. Cody Barton is a guy... Who can come in and uh, gets you know gets tackles in bunches? You know you talk about some of the 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 boxers who who get punches in bunches. Well, Cody Barton is a guy who's going to get tackles in bunches. Um, you know, 117 a season ago, 11 and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, six pass breakups as well, and uh, better than average athlete. I think he kind of turned some heads with uh, you know the fact that he ran a four-six four forty 40 at the combine while measuring in at 62, 237 pounds. Um, you know, an intelligent player put up 225, 30 times, so he's Got pretty good strength as well. Can get off blocks. Um, everyone thought Chase Hansen was going to be the guy there for the Utes, but it was Cody Barton that really stepped up when Chase Hansen went down to injury. Um, sticking to the receiver position, Gary Jennings, 6'1", 214 yard, uh, two hundred fourteen pounds, can be a vertical threat um, for them. You know, at the receiver position, and look, Seattle. When you're talking about that receiver position, you got um, you know Tyler Lockett. You've got DK Metcalf now. And then, you know, Amara Darbo, Jerem Brown. Really, there are a lot of question marks there at the receiver position, which is also why um, they took receiver, another receiver in round number seven, John Ursua. We'll get to him in just a second. But Gary Jennings, the guy... Um, you know, as a, as a junior really lacked any, any type of production whatsoever, um, as a, you know, as a touchdown maker, you know, scored just one as a junior. And then ultimately, um, had 13 as a senior, um, you know, as a junior over a thousand yards, you had nine, uh, uh, 917 yards as a senior, but 17 yards per reception. Um, round number four, I love this pick. They take Phil Haynes, the guard out of, uh, Wake Forest, a four-year starter. You know, you needed to shore up this offensive line a little bit. You've got Mike Potty and, and DJ Fluker, uh, but I think Phil Haynes is someone who can come in there. Mike Potty, the the injuries definitely a concern. Hasn't played, um, you know, full season, you know, at all in the last two years. Uh, Phil Haynes, very powerful guy and, and someone, it feels like a Pete Carroll type pick and someone who I think could be starting for them um, earlier than, uh, sooner than later. And I look at, pot, if he can't stay healthy, Phil Haynes may take over the starting spot and may never let it go. Um, Ugo Omadi, another Pac-12 guy out of Oregon, 5'9", 199 pounds. Small guy, could be a potential nickel, can also play uh, the free safety position. Has played both of those for Oregon. Um, definitely has some good uh, good ball skills, um, Absolutely. 25 pass breakups, nine interceptions, including seven in the last two seasons, um, converted to safety in in 2018. That kind of helps with his versatility. Undersized, but a guy who I think when when you're talking about Seattle, they need to find an identity there in, in the secondary. They have Trey Flowers. They have Shaquille Griffin at the cornerback position. Really, this guy... You know, being uh, you know, five nine doesn't really fit into what uh, Seattle has done in the secondary, but somebody who has the versatility to play a lot of positions, um, you know, so they can plug him into a lot of different roles. Ben Curvin man, another pac twelve guy, out of Washington. You know, taken in the fifth round. This is a guy who is 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 undersized. He's six foot. And, uh, and 230 pounds, but you know you want to talk about a guy who's a volume tackler. He's going to be a guy who I think is going to contribute and be a um, be dominant in the in in special teams. A guy who flies around 176 tackles a season ago. You know, just had five and a half tackles for loss and two sacks. Two interceptions, six pass breakups, four force fumbles, uh, makes plays all over the field. And I think, you know, he'll be a special teams guy for you for sure. And then after that, you know, could he potentially be a, a guy? Look, all the injuries at the linebacker position, he's a guy who's definitely going to fill in uh, you know, a need there from a depth per, uh standpoint, but a guy who could find his way onto the field with all the injuries if guys can't stay healthy. Round number six, they get another running back. Seems like they do that just about every year. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, uh, J.D. McKissick, uh, C.J. ProSize. So Travis Homer is is getting into a backfield that's going to be very, um, you know, very competitive. You know, I think you got to have a logjam at the position. I don't know if he's going to make the roster. Five eleven, and uh, let's see. Um, five, I'm sorry, five ten, uh, just over two hundred pounds. And uh, you know was was actually pretty quick at the combine. Ran a four four eight forty. You know back to back seasons where he had over nine hundred yards on the ground, twelve touchdowns in those years as well, thirty seven receptions. Stepped in uh, as, a, um, as a as as a sophomore uh, and really filled in admirably for um, for um, Mark Walton. You know, after he went down to the ankle injury, and uh, I think that's one of the things for Travis Homer is, um, you know, that he has going for him is he's a guy who good cutback runner, kind of a change of pace guy. But again, you know, so many running backs on the roster, I just I don't see him being. I think he'd be a, um, a you know possibly a practice squad guy, but I, I don't think he makes the roster. 6'3", 294 hundred ninety four pound defensive tackle, Marcus Christmas. Coming off the board in round number six, um, this is a guy who works hard uh, between the tackles. Um, a guy who does a good job, you know, seeing the football and, and getting there absorbs a lot of. Uh, um, a lot of blockers, um, and he's not not the biggest guy really at the defensive tackle position. 11.5 tackles for loss, 3.5 sacks, um, 13 pass breakups, definitely does a good job getting his hand into the passing lane. And I'll tell you what, he was a better better athlete than I thought, You know, watching him at the Combine, 508-40 um, at the Combine. Um, he, he's someone who I think, will, if nothing else, is going to provide some depth up front um, you know, going to work to make the roster, especially when you're talking about Jaron Reed, uh, Nazir Jones, Puna Ford, uh, Jamie Meter there at defensive tackle. Um, but he's someone who I think could definitely work his way into the rotation. Uh, and then finally, as I mentioned before, John Ursua taken in round number seven. This is a guy who's going to be a slot receiver quicker than he is fast. 5'9, 178 pounds. This was someone who had torn, torn his ACL, it was on his way to. Um, Having a pretty good season there for Hawaii. Um, and then after six games, you know, in just six games, you have 47 receptions for 667 yards. I was leading the country, and then he goes down to injury uh, this past season. 89 receptions, over 1,300 yards, 16 touchdowns. Um, quicker than he is fast, knows how to get open, good ball skills, um, a guy who could play in the slot. So when you're talking about the receiver position, you, if – Doug Baldwin is in on the roster. You've got Tyler Lockett, then DJ Metcalf, or I'm sorry, DK Metcalf, uh, Gary Jennings, John Ursua. Um, that really upgrades the receiver position, gives them a lot of guys, a lot of options there uh at the receiver position. Just a couple more teams to go, and then we are done. San Francisco 49ers are next. And what did the Niners do? Obviously, they take Nick Bosa with the number two overall pick. I mean, how could you not, right? I mean, the 49ers, they already had uh, DeForest Buckner on the inside, 13 and a half sacks. You bring in D. Ford, a double digit sack guy on, on one side. Um, and then you, you've got Nick Bosa to pair uh, with Ford on the outside. You move Solomon Thomas inside uh, to defensive tackle. You really got a formidable group there up front. Uh, in round number two, they take Debo Samuel. Look, Debo Samuel, I would be much higher on him if he could just stay healthy. 5'11", 214 pounds, dealt with hamstring injuries, tore his knee after, you know, six touchdowns in two games. Um, you know, a couple of kick returns for touchdown. Um excellent. You know, uh, route runner. You saw that with his suddenness, with his route running at the Senior Bowl was virtually un- uncoverable. Um, when you look at San Francisco, the receiver position, they needed another wideout uh, to pair with. Uh, you know, Dante Pettis. They've got Jordan Matthews, Marquise Goodwin. They needed a bigger receiver though, and that's really I- I'm surprised they didn't go with Hakeem Butler. They instead in round number three opt for Jalen Hurd, um, the converted running back out of Baylor. Um, you know, was was a running back at Tennessee. Ultimately, as a playing receiver, this is a guy that a lot of people are high on. A lot of people think that Jalen Hurd just needs to continue to develop uh, a big physical guy. Um, I don't know. you know, As a, as a sophomore at Tennessee, uh, over 1,200 yards on the ground and 12 touchdowns. As a, a full-time receiver for Baylor, um, 69 receptions, 946 yards, and four touchdowns. Uh, here's the thing that, that kind of worries me about him. Um, you know the lack of speed. You know, I mean, for a guy who's six five, two twenty six, ran a four six six forty at his at his pro day, not the fastest guy. Um, you know, he's he's a he's an interesting weapon, a guy who who could be productive as a running back. I just, I I don't know where he fits into the equation. And uh, especially when you had guys like Hakeem Butler sitting out there, you know, but look, we said that before with with Dante Pettis, you know, and said, hey, there are other other guys that are out there. Why aren't you taking somebody else? And, uh, you know, we saw what happened with Dante Pettis. He's going to be, you know, it's proven that he can be a guy, um, be a go-to target there for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, in the fourth round, they take Mitch Wisnowski, the the booming punter there for Utah. has excellent leg strength. Um, you know, was a Ray Guy Award winner. Um, you know, very accurate punter. You know, does a great job pinning the ball um, in uh, in the twenty in the opponent's twenty. Big guy too, 6'2", 218 pounds. Um, you know, like I said, you know, I thought he was the best punter in the in the draft. Uh, no offense again to uh, to to. Jake Bailey. I mean, Bailey you know, is more, one of the more versatile weapons, but this is a guy. Look, over eight thousand yards. Uh, you know, in it on his one hundred seventy-five punts, forty-five point seven yards per uh, yards per punt as well. Um, he'll be the starter there and probably be a, the starting punter for a long time. Um, the rest of the picks wasn't as enamored with. Dre Greenlaw, six foot two hundred thirty-seven pounds, um, plays faster than his time speed for sure. Um look, you know, Greenlaw uh ran a 47340 at the combine. No, at six, at six foot, two hundred thirty-seven pounds. I was really surprised that he ran as slow as he did. Uh, was very productive there at Arkansas. Um, over three hundred tackles in his career, including triple digits. Over a uh, hundred tackles in 2017. Thirteen tackles for loss, four sacks, three interceptions. Um, this is a guy who I think, though, is going to be a, mostly a special teams player at least starting out. Caden Smith, a tight end. Um, going to be the the blocking back, or I'm sorry, blocking tight end. 6'5", 255, was a weapon up the seam for Stanford. Not a guy who was going to separate. Really had to go up and win a lot of 50-50 balls. Um, 47 receptions, 635 yards, two touchdowns as a, a junior. Uh, a guy who, like I said, you know, he's not going to be the, the guy to stretch the field, but they're not going to need that. That's George Kittle. Caden Smith is going to compete with Garrett Sellick to be the second tight end. He'll be more of a blocker. That's what Stanford tight ends are known for. But a guy who can get up the seam, can create that late separation and go up and high point the football. Uh, Justin School at a at a, a Vanderbilt um, athletic tight end, a six set, um, uh, offensive tackle, six seven, three hundred seventeen pounds, um, excellent length. Um, Moved from right tackle to left tackle in twenty seventeen. I think he has uh, the potential to To be that that swing tackle, you got Joe Staley at left tackle, you got Michael McGlinchey at right tackle, so you're set there. But a guy who I think can be that, that number three tackle, and um, you know, can really develop there into uh, some you know some pretty good a pretty good depth piece there for the 49ers. And then you get Tim Harris, uh, 6'1", 205 pounds, out of Virginia, um, someone who needs to needs to stay healthy more than anything else. Um, but uh, you know, again. A, a, a corner who has really good size, and uh, I was kind of surprised that they waited this long to take a a, a cornerback. But uh, with Tim Harris, um, it was a a sixth year senior because in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen um, was out for the year. Um, but uh, in in those years with Virginia, seventeen pass breakups, four interceptions. You know, a big physical corner. Um, you know, he played in just six games in each of his first two years in 2013 and 2014. So he's one of the older corners. Um, I just, I don't know if the durability, if he's going to be able to hold up. Um, I thought that they were also going to go with the corner sooner, but I think the addition of Jason Verrett to the, the secondary, you know, already have Richard Sherman, Akela Witherspoon, uh, Tavarius Moore, Jimmy Ward, uh, adding Jason Verrett that kind of tempered the need for, for a corner. Um, I was just surprised that they went with Tim Harris, um, given the fact that his injury history um, you know, may keep him off the field. Tampa, hey, they go number five overall. They take Devin White. Not going to argue with this pick whatsoever, although now that you have JPP in the solo vehicle accident – Um, fractures his neck, may not end up playing in 2019. Huge concern there. I honestly thought that they were going to go Josh Allen Get a, a pass rusher here. I thought that made a lot of sense. Uh, he was still on the board. They go to Evan White. You know, again, not going to hate on this. Back to back years with over 120 tackles. Um, you know, still learning the position. Was a converted running back. Um, you know, a guy who I think can be the same type of playmaker that Roquan Smith was. Um, you know, in Chicago a season ago as a rookie. But you know, all the movement there at the linebacker position. You already have Levante David. You know, in that in that. Uh, 3-4 system that Todd Bowles is gonna run. Is Levante David gonna be an inside backer or an outside backer? And where is where is uh Noah Spence gonna play? Is JPP gonna three three four defensive end? I mean, before he he got hurt, was he gonna be a three-four defensive end? Um, you know, you brought in Anthony Nelson, um, and, and Terry Beckner, who could end up being um, you know, three techniques. I'm sorry, five techniques in, in their three-four scheme, but uh you know, Devin White in there, you already have Kendall Beckwith, Kevin Minter, uh, Dale Buchanan is going to be kind of that uh, hybrid safety linebacker type. Uh, Shaquille Barrett there on the outside as well. Really just kind of a, a pick. I thought they could have gone in a, in a lot of other directions and been okay, but you can't argue with Devin White, you know, um, one of the, the top uh, athletes and top players in this year's draft. Then they go in the second round, Sean Bunting, another curious pick. Uh, you know, I shouldn't say another because you know, Devin White was not a curious pick. That was actually a pick that I had uh, with the the bucks for quite a while before moving on from that. and I shouldn't have done that. But, uh, you know, I look at Sean Bunting and the cornerback position for, for Tampa. They needed another corner. Uh, Carlton Davis and, and Vernon Hargraves. Hargraves really kind of a disappointment to this point. MJ Stewart there as well. Uh, Sean Bunting. All right, so they take Sean Bunting. Um, you know, 15 pass breakups, 9 interceptions. I think that was probably you know, kind of the biggest thing. The Bucks really started 7 different players at corner a season ago and among the worst in pass defense. So they, they not only go with Sean Bunting in round number two, but then in round number three, Jamel Dean, 6'1", 206, the fastest uh, of the corners in uh, at the combine, ran a uh, a 40, 41-inch vertical leap, um, 6'1", 206, played with a, a broken hand at one point and uh, still showed that he was able to wrap up pretty well. So I thought that was pretty impressive at the cornerback position. Um, I like Jamel Dean in round number round number three. I thought it was a little early for Sean Bunting. Um, you know, in, in the two seasons there at Auburn, um, Jamel Dean, 17 pass breakups, two interceptions, four and a half tackles for loss. Uh, in round number three, they get Mike Edwards, the safety out of Kentucky. Um, you know, another guy who I I thought that was really good value. Um, I think he could definitely push for a starting job. Um, you know, when you talk about Mike Edwards, you know, I think he'll end up playing opposite, uh, um, Justin Evans and, uh, Mike Edwards, there he is six foot Really 5'11", foot, 205 pounds, 23 pass breakups, 10 interceptions, over 300 tackles, 21.5 tackles for loss, including 9.5 um, in uh, his senior season. To me, a guy who just flies around and makes plays all over the field. You know, I think third round was perfect value for him. And get him in there. Kentrell Bryce is, is playing one safety spot. Justin Evans on the opposite side. I think Mike Evans is starting by year's end. And, and really a guy who I think is, is one of the more underrated players in this year's draft. 6'7", 271, Anthony Nelson, the, the big defensive end there for Iowa. Perfect as a three technique in Todd Bowles' 3-4 scheme, a guy who also can be a 4-3 defensive end as well. Excellent length. Um, a guy who plays a little bit high at times, but can bend a little bit. Um, showed off some pass rush skills there for Iowa with 23 sacks, 31 tackles for loss in his career, seven pass breakups, four forced fumbles. Uses his length to his advantage. Uh, round number five, they take a kicker. Tampa, you know, they were a team that, that took Roberto Aguayo in round number two just a couple of years ago. Now they're taking Matt Gay, um, you know, to battle with Cairo Santos. Look, here's the deal with Matt Gay. You know, I think... When you listen to him, when when you listen to him kick, you know the, the the ball makes a different sound, you know. But he has had three three of his kicks blocked. That absolutely has to be a concern. But the guy can make the ball, you know, make kicks from from up to sixty yards um, plus. Um, so definitely a guy who who has a, a tremendous leg. In round number six, I was happy to see Scott Miller off the board. 5'9, 174 pounds, undersized receiver. Um, you know, a guy who could potentially play in the slot. Um, again, there's some other receivers out there that, you know, I was expecting Scott to be more of a priority free agent. Wasn't expecting him to come off the board um, this early. Um, but you can't argue with production you know 71 receptions 1148 48 yards nine touchdowns 23 total in his career uh, a guy who can get vertical excellent route runner Very sudden in and out of his routes. You know, he's a guy who I think can end up making the roster and and being a productive receiver. Um, But like I said, I thought he was going to be a priority free agent. Cole Beasley was a priority free agent for the Cowboys. You see what he's been able to do. And, uh, you know, I think Scott Miller coming from a power, uh, I'm sorry, from a group of five school like Cole Beasley did, um, I think he has a shot. And then, as I mentioned, Terry Beckner out of Missouri, 6'4. Uh, 296 pounds. This was a, a you know a big, tall, physical um, guy up front for Missouri. One of the the top recruits uh, coming out of high school goes to Mizzou. Mizzou is known for producing their defensive defensive players there under Barry Odom. Back to back seasons with 11 tackles for loss, 13 and a half sacks in his career. Um, you know a guy who I think. Um, can end up being a a five technique at the next level. You know, I think that's what's going to be interesting. Um, you know, he could also move inside and, and play uh defensive tackle there in a in a four or three scheme when he's when he's needed to if, if Todd Bowles is going to kind of move things around and be a little bit of a hybrid defense. Five one nine forty at the combine just half inch vertical leap. Not the most explosive player, um, but someone who I think could end up being um you know has good you know good strength good upper body strength and a guy who can flash you know both against the run and the pass and uh, I think he can end up finding a home for himself as a as a uh, a five technique now Tennessee the Titans going Jeffrey Simmons so happy that Jeffrey Simmons came off the board in round number 1 especially as they were talking there during the NFL draft coverage about why he got into the fight and why he was hitting the girl that that they were there's defending um, you know, defending his family uh, more than anything else. You know, he's a model citizen. After that, they—it sounds like they really did their homework about this kid. You know, they tore his ACL in a pre-combine workout, so that's really a huge concern. But look, he was by far—you know—either my number two or number three defensive tackle. And uh, you know, even though Montez Sweat—you know—was the pass rusher, this was the guy that really—you um, know wreaked some havoc. You know, on the interior of the line. Uh, 123 tackles, 30 tackles for loss, seven sacks, five pass breakups, three forced fumbles, just really wreaking havoc on the inside for the Bulldogs. Um, you know, consistently found his way into the backfield to disrupt plays, disrupt the run plays really shortly after the mesh point, collapses the pocket from the inside, forces the quarterback to make quick decisions well before they wanted to. Um, so when you look at Tennessee and you're looking at, well, you know, what, what's going to happen, you know, up front? Because Jeffrey Simmons, with that knee, he may not play at all in 2019. Are they able to uh, to, to sustain that? You know, they didn't go with any other defensive linemen up front. You know, you've got Daquan Jones and Matt Dickerson to, to team with Jarrell Casey. Right now there's Austin Johnson, Brent Urban up there, uh, uh, you know, as well. Um, you know, maybe you know, because you're only running a three-man front, that's enough. Um You know, but I think Jeffrey Simmons ends up moving into a starting role to take some pressure off of Jarrell Casey once he's healthy. You know, round number two, they get another one of my favorite players, A.J. Brown. I'm sorry, yeah, A.J. Brown out of uh, Mississippi. 6'1", 226 pounds, slot receiver extraordinaire. This was a guy, um, you know, I, I think, you know, coming into the season, everyone was talking about him. Then all of a sudden the love just went away. I don't know why. Ran a four four nine forty at the combine. This is a guy who, you know, can get vertical, you know, proven with his his vertical speed, can, um, you know, very powerful after the catch uh, as a as a, uh, a runner, uh, a better route runner than DK Metcalf was, his, his teammate. Um you know, and uh, you know, a big physical guy. And, and running that, that fast, you know, it, it's it, it's kind of staggering. You know, excellent blocker on the outside. Very physical. Um, you know, and that'll be nice with Derrick Henry running the football. Uh, back-to-back seasons with over 1,200 yards, including 1,320 yards this past season with 85 receptions. Uh, 15.8 yards per reception in his career. 19 touchdowns. And uh, when you're talking about, about Tennessee, I think he's going to start right away. I really do. You know, you've got uh, Adam Humphreys, who's also playing in the slot, but A.J. Brown can play on outside. He can play in the slot. You know, it gives him some versatility there. You have Tajay Sharp. You have uh, Tywan Lewis. I really like this pick a lot, and uh, that's going to give Mar- uh, Marcus Mariota another weapon to throw to. Um, Nate Davis taking in round number three out of Charlotte. I thought this was good value here. 6'3", 316 pounds. Played a tackle. Um, there for Charlotte, but he's going to be a guy who's going to kick inside to guard and challenge Kevin Panfile um, there at right guard for the starting spot. You have Roger uh, Roger Saffold at left guard, Josh Klein's gone, uh, Kevin Panfile and, and Nate Davis are going to battle for that starting spot, and I wouldn't be surprised if Nate Davis isn't the guy that ends up taking over that spot. Um, 6'3", 316 pounds, um, pretty good athleticism, um, really keeps, uh, you know, a low center of gravity um, and a guy who I think is, is going to excel on the interior of the offensive line. Amani Hooker, 5'11, 210 pounds, um, very intelligent guy. You know, he can be a safety, he can be a nickel. Could be another linebacker as well. You know, can line up in the slot, does a little bit of everything. You know, when you look at Tennessee, what do they have on the roster? They have they're loaded at corner with Malcolm Butler, Logan Ryan, and, and Adore Jackson. Uh the safeties, they brought in Kenny Vaccaro, They have Kevin Byard, you know, who was a, a, a Pro Bowl snub. Amani Hooker is just another guy who brought, provides that versatility there in the secondary. He can play in, in a lot of different positions. And you know, because he can play in the slot, because he can play safety, because he can be another. Linebacker up front, um, you know I think that's where you know I think Mike Vrabel likes that that versatility can line him up in a number number of roles. Um, you know in in his three years there in uh, in Iowa City with the Hawkeyes, 125 tackles, three and a half for loss, one sack, six interceptions, nine pass breakups. Um, one of those interceptions he had returned for touchdown. Um, you know just a, a guy that you know it's going to be very versatile for them. Uh, Pass rusher uh, DeAndre Walker, 6'2", 251, taken in the fifth round out of Georgia. Uh, A guy who has a really quick first step coming off the football. Uh, Uses really long arms to to get to the quarterback as well. Um, Someone who, um, you know, when you're talking about production, um, they're at at Georgia, um, really waited until his, his senior year to really put everything together. Um, getting after the quarterback, but really it was the last two seasons. Um, you know, in, in those two seasons, 24 and a half tackles for loss and uh, 13 sacks, four pass breakups, five forced fumbles. Um, a guy who I think is going to be kind of a situational pass rusher here, at least at first, as he continues to develop his game. Um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, Cameron Wake, uh, Kamale Korea, uh, uh, and, um, you know, Harold Landry there at, at the outside linebacker position especially now that Brian Arakpo is gone, um, but a guy who's going to definitely provide some depth getting after the quarterback off the edge. And then 6th round pick David Long jr. out of West Virginia 511 227 pounds undersized linebacker, but very instinctive and this is a guy who who shoots gaps for days. Um, I'm a big fan of David long you know, is he you know is he the fastest guy no. Um, but I really don't care. When you're looking for football players, this is a guy who definitely fits the bill. I think Mike Vrabel is going to find a home for him. Over 100 tackles this past season 39 and, a half in, uh, 39 and a half tackles for loss in his career, 12 and a half sacks, 10 pass breakups. A guy who just makes plays all over the football field. You, know, you can say what you want about about him and, and whether or not he's he's undersized, whether or not he's the fastest guy. He's just a football player. He works well through traffic. He runs the alley well. He shoots gaps. Very decisive. Uses his eyes to his advantage. That makes up for some of the uh, lack of uh, you know athleticism or the lack of physical traits. And, and to me at the end of the day, you're looking for those football players. David Long on the entire you know, inside linebacker. Who do they have there right now? They've got Jayon Brown, kind of an undersized inside linebacker as it is. They have Wesley Woodyard. And then after that, you know, there's Rashawn Evans and then there's David Long. I, I think he he's one of those guys who's going to provide some good depth there. And, uh, um, you know, I think he and Rashawn Evans will probably be competing with Jayon Brown for that starting spot opposite Wesley Woodyard. And uh, if I can get... My computer working here. Checking spot track. I really want to take a look at uh, Tennessee. Let's see where Wesley Woodyard is in terms of his contract. You know, they no longer have Avery Williamson there at inside linebacker, which is a big reason why they ended up uh, drafting Rashawn Evans. So let's see. JM uh, J. Brown signed through 2021. Um, but Wesley Woodyard, 32 years of age. Assigned uh, through twenty twenty, so there you go. Jayon Brown, Rashawn Evans, David Long, you know, three linebackers, two starting spots, you know, in a season. But you know, I think David Long definitely has a shot. And finally, the Washington Redskins. I knew the Washington Redskins. You know, I, I'm, you know, they were great being patient, sitting there. I thought they were going to have to trade up to get their quarterback that they wanted. Makes a lot of sense that they wanted uh, Dwayne Haskins there. Uh, Look, I knew the Giants really liked uh, Daniel Jones. I couldn't in good conscience put him in the first round of my mock draft. I just didn't think that that made sense, especially when I think Dwayne Haskins may be the best quarterback in this draft. I was the first person to really sit there and just put my hand down and just say, "Let's, let's pump the brakes on this whole Dwayne Haskins talk because he was the guy... Who was throwing the ball to wide open receivers you know on these crossing routes and basically just letting them take the ball and and cut the cut up the field but that three game stretch against um, Minnesota Indiana and, and Purdue and, and I know when you're talking about that those aren't the you know the big powerhouses but at the same time you know his running game disappeared on him you know the running game, averaged less than 100 yards you know in those three games. and uh, Dwayne Haskins did not disappoint. He, he was a guy to me when you look at, at what he did, uh, you know Indiana, Minnesota, Purdue in those three games, uh, the run, running game averaged just 107.3 yards per game, including back to back games under 100 yards in those final two games down the stretch. Uh, 71.4% completion percentage, 1,337 yards, 11 touchdowns, and three interceptions. During that time, he was airing the ball down the field, hitting his receivers in stride. He put that team on his back. Against Penn State, people say, look, that wasn't his best game, but what did he do in that game? Two touchdowns in the final eight minutes to will that Ohio State team to victory over Penn State. Um you know when you talk about him, you know and uh his production in the red zone sixty two percent of his passes um completed thirteen touchdowns, just one interception at one point during the season um yeah, he doesn't always set his feet in the pocket when he's under duress, but I think he does enough to manipulate the pocket. I think you see him throwing the football down the field. Yes, he had had you know guys that were running sub four four forties, but he still has to put the ball on these guys. What I really saw was a guy who can translate to the next level, get out there on the football field and, and make plays right away. You know, and you know I, I I don't blame him for being upset for not being you know one of the first quarterbacks taken. I really thought that he should have gone number five to the Giants or number six to the Giants. The Giants really could have traded back to number fifteen, allowed Washington to get uh, Dwayne Haskins, and still gotten. Uh, Daniel Jones sitting there at number 15. I still wouldn't think he would have been a first-round pick, but at least it's not number six. It's not a top-ten pick. You know, Colt McCoy, Case Keenum... There are some veteran veteran quarterbacks, there. Veteran leaders, Dwayne Haskins. Yes, it was just one year of of, of, uh, of quarterback play um, as a starter at, at a major FBS program. But you saw what Mitchell Drabisky did, you know, with the Bears. Season one took some of his lumps. Season two really made some strides. And uh, you know, I think that's something that you're going to see out of Dwayne Haskins. You know, get him on the field. You know, sooner rather than later. And, um, you know, especially with the Washington offensive line you know, that boasts, you know, Trent Williams, Eric Flowers, Chase Relier, um, Brandon Sheriff, and, and Morgan Moses. You know, I think you've got some guys up front that'll be able to block for him. And, uh, look, I think Dwayne Haskins is, you know, is, is the guy who could end up being the steal of the draft. Now, Washington also trades back into round number one, and they get another pass rusher, 6'6", 260-pound Montez Sweat. 4 uh, 4 at the combine, fastest for any edge rusher in combine history. Montez Sweat, um, over 100 tackles in his career, 30 tackles for loss, 22 and a half sacks. You know, a guy who, you know, not only has the quick first step, but also very physical, uses his length to his advantage with long arm. Just drive an arm into into the guy's chest, walk him back. You know, he can bend off the edge. Uh, the speed, the power is is definitely there. A guy who, again, can set the edge against the run. Um, you know, he's not a one-trick pony by any means. Team him up with Ryan Kerrigan, you know, as pass rushers off the edge. Let Ryan Anderson be more of the run stopper. Um, I love the fact that they traded up to get him. I mean, when you talk think about it, you ended up getting Dwayne Haskins and Montez Sweat Two picks in the first round; those were two guys I had in the top ten. Nicely done, Washington. Round number three, they get Terry McLaurin out of uh, Ohio State. When we're talking about the receiver position, you're talking about Josh Doxson, you're talking about Paul Richardson, um, you know Brian Quick, you know Trey Quinn, um, who was Mr. Relevant a season ago, but showing off as a as a you know a uh, a a slot receiver and, and really a possession guy. But here's the thing with Terry McLaurin. You know, uh, an excellent route runner, um, you know, runs really, really well, you know, 4, four three, five, 40 at the combine. Uh, working with Dwayne Haskins, you know, 35 receptions, 701 yards, uh, which is uh, a 20 yard per catch average, 11 touchdowns. Uh, and you sharing the ball with a ton of receivers. I mean, shoot, they had, um, you know, Johnny Dixon, they had uh, Paris Campbell, they had Austin Mack and uh, Benjamin Victor and, um, Gosh, there are a couple of other receivers that I'm drawing a blank on, um, and you know Rashad Berry, and you had the the running backs, you know Mike uh, Mike Weber and, and and J.K. Dobbins, so many guys that you had. Oh, K.J. Hill, can't forget K.J. Hill, Chris Olave, lots of receivers, and and so you can't really argue with with production. This is a guy who runs excellent routes. His cuts are very quick sinks his hips in and out of his brakes can create separation with the route running not just able to you know get vertical has a quick hand slap to beat press coverage sports information or sports info solutions reported that mclaurin's explosive catch rate which is the number of 20 plus yards uh, reception versus the targets 23.1 which is good for 10th among the wideouts Roto world reported that his 14.3 yard uh, per target average is the highest among receivers and his 22.4 touchdown rate. Eleven touchdowns on 49 targets was second in the country, very explosive, and you saw him at the at the Senior Bowl making plays, you know, virtually unblockable. Um, or I'm sorry, unguardable. I think he's a guy who can come in and start right away, and, and be a guy, you know, very you know, complements you know Dachson and Richardson very well. Richardson, the vertical thread, Doxon, more of a you know the bigger receiver. McLaurin's going to be a guy who can make plays on the outside and the inside very well. Um, you know, round number four, they get Bryce Love. I worry about Bryce Love's durability. That's really the biggest thing. You know, he's got this. You know, he tore his his ACL preparing for the for the combine. Um, you know, had that high ankle sprain. That's really the bigger thing. You know, for me as a you know, in 2017, he was the Heisman runner up, over 2,100 yards on the ground, 19 touchdowns, 8.1 yards per reception. Just you know, all the plays of, of 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 yards um, that that he set. But uh he was dealing with that with that high ankle sprain and he just couldn't stay healthy. You know, that, that ankle sprain, you know, he would limp off the field, get retaped, go back out on the field and have it re aggravated the very next carry. And then as a senior, he was still battling ankle injuries. And it seemed like every time it seemed like he was healing up, that ankle would get rolled up on again. Yeah, and to me, I think that's that's something that, you know, you see that and it's just one of those chronic injuries. And um They've got Adrian Peterson, they've got Darius Geis, Samajay P. Ryan, Chris Thompson, loaded backfield, um, Bryce Love. You know, when, when he's running the football, he has that explosiveness. You just worry about the durability. You know, can he stay healthy? Fourth round, they take uh Wes Martin out of Indiana, 6'3, 311 pounds. Um, this was a guy, you know, I'm I'm kind of happy to see him. I had him in my top ten throughout the season. You know, there are a lot of times where he wound up, um, you know, giving up way too many sacks, getting blown off off the ball a little bit. But uh, definitely offers a mean streak in the running game. And uh, you know, I think this is a pick that you know you're looking for some of that nastiness. Brandon Sheriff is a guy who definitely has some nastiness to him, and so I thought that was what this pick really was all about. Fifth round, they take Ross Piercebacher, the guard slash center. Very versatile interior lineman, um, not the most athletic guy, but just a guy who gets the job done. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Barrett Jones in that respect. Um, fifth round, they get Cole Holcomb out of uh, out of North Carolina. Here's a guy, you know, he's six uh, one two hundred thirty five pounds. Not the, uh, you know, not the biggest guy, but a guy who I think is going to work his way in into that uh, inside linebacker position and probably end up uh, getting a starting job when it's all said and done. Uh, ran a 448 40 at his pro day, you know, much better speed than i think a lot of people give him credit for. And when when we take a look at at uh, at the production, um you know, I, he was a team captain for the for the Tar Heels and uh let's see over 300 tackles including, you know, 2 years with with over 100 tackles, had 93 as a junior. Um, 15 and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, 12 tackle or 12 pass breakups which you want to see out of an in, inside linebacker also four, four forced fumbles in his senior season. I think when you look at him, you know he'll probably take takes a little bit of time to develop, but they have Mason Foster and Reuben Foster they're at uh, um, at, at the inside linebacker. I think Cole Holcomb has a chance to end up starting when it's all said and done. They get another receiver in round number six, Kelvin Harmon. Why in the world was Kelvin Harmon all the way here? Um, you know, yes, he ran a 4 6 Maybe that's what it is. They're worried about his separation. He's a guy who tracks the ball very well down the football field. Uh, pretty good hands. You know, I got on him early because he was letting the ball get into his body a little bit. But, you know, really, you know, extends his hands for the football, um, you know, much better in the second half of the year. Um Back to back, thousand yard seasons, 16 touchdowns in his career. Um, you know, a, a guy who can he stretch defenses, maybe not, but a guy who knows how to get open, knows how to win those 50 50 balls, and, uh, you know, again, you know, extends really well for the football, tracks it well, adjusts, it, adjusts well to the back shoulder throw, catches the ball over his shoulder very well. Um, and then round number seven, maybe, maybe one of my favorite cornerbacks. In the draft, and it's Jimmy Moreland out of um, James Madison. You know, this is a guy who I think is is going to compete uh, every time he's out on the football field. 5'11, 194 pounds. Check out these stats at the cornerback position. Over 200 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, 18 interceptions. You heard me right. 18, including eight. As a as a junior in 2017, and 63 pass breakups, that's insane. He's never had less than 11 pass breakups in his career, and had 22 as a junior. You know, and then ultimately, you know, you saw a little bit of dip of uh, of a dip in production in 2018. But that's also because his running mate on the other side, Rashad Robinson, uh, went down to injury again. You know that what that as a senior uptick. In, in the tackles for loss seven and a half, so he was able to even though he didn't see the ball thrown his way as much, was still able to affect plays uh, on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Very physical guy, you know. You look at Josh Norman, he's definitely you know the the starter on one end, but uh, you know I, I think he can end up being the, the you know a slot corner or nickel. And um, you know to me, Jimmy Morland, yeah, he doesn't have the size, but he's going to be a lot more physical, and uh, I think. You know, he's gonna battle Greg Stroman probably for that third corner spot. Um, you know, with Fabian Moreau starting opposite Josh Norman. And uh, you know, mark by words, Jimmy Jimmy Moreland, even though he's a seventh round pick, he's gonna be a guy, he has a nose for the football, knows how to make plays on the ball, even returned uh, six of those eighteen uh, interceptions for touchdown. Yeah, Jimmy Moreland can play. And then the second to last pick in the draft was Jordan Brailford, out Of Oklahoma State 6'3, 252 pounds. Um, this is a guy who definitely is a, is a good edge rusher, you know, gets to the quarterback pretty well, um, can get pushed around at times, but also um, sets a pretty good edge. A guy who can get uh, you know, shows pretty good range getting outside as well. Um, you know, had uh, let's see, 31 and a half tackles for loss, 16 sacks, including 10 a season ago. Had 17 tackles for loss a season ago as well. Uh, a guy who's playing with a, a titanium rod in his leg, so some of the health concerns may have been part of what dropped him a little bit. Um, but another guy who I think can provide depth there, uh, rushing the passer off the edge, um, knows how to get home there. So you know, he's he's probably going to be that guy. You know. Backup, Montez Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan, uh, along with Ryan Anderson. You've got Marquise Flowers there um, at, at outside linebacker as well. So uh, a guy who I think has a chance to make the roster, even though he was the second-to-last pick in the draft. So there you have it. We've gotten through all uh, all 32 teams, every single pick. So when you're talking about all the picks, we've talked about all uh, – you know, all, all, all the picks, you know, at at the end of the day. And so we've gotten through everything, you know, taking a look at, at, uh, you know, what we did like, what I didn't like, you know, who some of my favorite players were, uh, who some of my least, uh, you know, favorite picks were. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was a fun 2019 draft. And ultimately we know what the, uh, a lot of the narratives were at, uh, during draft day or during the draft and on draft day really what I want to do is is see what that narrative is going to be that might be the you know how we kick off the 2020 podcast series is what is the narrative you know really looking like as we get into the season and throughout the season you know what's that narrative really looking like for this this 2019 draft we know what happened during the draft what's it really going to be looking like cuz you know Baker Mayfield we knew that was really the big conversation, a lot of those quarterbacks. And you really saw Baker Mayfield separate himself from all the other quarterbacks. And uh, that's really the, the biggest storyline at the end of the day when you take that away. That and the fact that Saquon Barkley was the offensive rookie of the year. And then obviously Quentin Nelson being dominant. You had uh, um, Darius Leonard being dominant, the uh, defensive rookie of the year. Colts. Every single one of their draft picks made the roster, made an impact. Um, so we'll see what happens in uh, you know with with this 2019 draft class. Uh, the last podcast of the 2019 podcast series. We're actually going to go ahead and talk about the undrafted free agents. There are a lot of guys that are out there that I was a big fan of um, who didn't get drafted, but I think can still make a roster. We're going to go through that, go position by position there, and, and identify some of those guys. And then we're also going to take a quick look. I know it's way too early, but some of the guys to start thinking about as we get into you know through the spring and into the summer, and then even to some of the uh, the, the the camps there, the fall camps leading up to the season some guys to think about for that 2020 draft. You know, it's not all about Tua tonga and, and Justin Herbert. There are a lot of other guys that are in this draft. Um, you know, a couple of big 10 pass rushers, uh, quite a few receivers that are out there. We're also going to be talking about running backs in the first round as well. Um, so we're going to have a lot of fun on this last podcast of the 2019 uh, podcast series. Um, we'll, I'll, get that out uh, to you guys here in the next few days. And then we'll call it a wrap for the 2019 um, 2019 draft. And uh, we'll take a few months off and then we'll start back up in August in advance of the, the 2019 college football season. So for readyforthedraft.com, this is the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg Schutz. Hope you've enjoyed listening to everything coming from me I enjoyed bringing all of this to you. And until next time, everyone, take care. And I am out of here. Thanks again. Take care.